0: First and foremost, recording in progress. TK, happy new year. new
1: year! holy wow. smokes, what a year, Daryl! What, what a ride, bro! Twenty twenty was ride.
2: crazy.
0: <laughs> I don't even remember twenty twenty. What the? F- what happened in twenty twenty? Was that when the when the big P word started? Yeah, that was crazy. This whole this has been like a big long blur, hasn't it?
1: think that uh, 2020 was a memorable year and that memorable. thought thought it was you know it couldn't get worse from here you know 2021 it was like psych we were <laughs> we we're all destined for greatness everybody's a genius
0: everybody's a genius in 2021 genius.
1: 2022 oh my gosh holy
3: shit i can't believe everything
1: on? everyone was telling me was true oh. i really should be more careful
0: Oh, my God, cash is trash. Where the fuck did that come from? Right. Since when (laughs) you mean you mean I'm only going to lose 200 bucks a month if I if I buy that condo seems like a good deal to me, because look, the price is going to be three billion dollars
1: next year. But by the at this rate of appreciation, I mean, this condo is going to be worth at least seven million by the time I retire.
0: We all fell for it.
1: Yeah. And now.
0: Boom, Tiff.
1: Dun, 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 drum roll. Rug pull. Boom. Rug pull. Rug <laughs> pull. Here we go. The <laughs> year later, that's Jesus what it is, though. You know, that's what it is, though. It's all this. It's all mm-hmm. this um, delusional. Um, you know, everything's always going to go a certain way. There's no way I can lose. Somebody told me so. You Ooh. know, history always repeats itself. Here we are in the midst of it, dealing with the repercussions. And I'm telling you.
0: We haven't there's seen nothing yet. Yeah. yeah, there's repercussions. We have not there's... seen nothing yet. I'm trying to explain yet.
1: that to people right now, and they're all just kind of like, mm, you sure? You sure? And I'm like, believe you me. There yeah. is some stuff coming.
0: How much you want to pay for that house you live in there? How much do you want to pay for that house you live in?
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: And how long do you want to live in that house that you live in? Yeah. How long can you live in that house that you live in?
1: Right. Yeah. And so like, how great is that job you've got?
0: How stable is that job you've got? What industry yeah. are you in? Exactly. Yeah. Whoa. All so, kinds of shakedowns. Lots, gonna... lots
1: of, lots of things going on, but man, we have such an amazing show today. I'm so excited. Holy cow. I don't know what to, I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to introduce. We've got guests. That's all I can lots tell you.
0: Lots and lots of guests and, and all one better than the next
1: they're all great they're all great, great and that's what's crazy no particular like, order today no particular order
0: no just uh just as they up. jump in they get to uh have a seat at the table until they yeah. i guess want to jump out or i guess and it, maybe we might have to ask them waiting. to leave
1: i don't know we yeah. might there, there might be a time where we say hey you know thank you we got lots Thanks. of people on the go happy new year
0: happy that's it goes this new is what our year.
1: listeners want they want they want a, a full turn style of guests for the end of the year review that's what I today.
0: hope it's a it's happy new year review
1: or it's like a 2023 a
0: big hodgepodge of god knows what we'll see where it goes i mean tk 20, 2023 what's our plans happen? look our plans rarely come come to fruition and we certainly yeah and what's the what's the say mm. we make plans and uh, the gods laugh
1: yeah man makes plans
0: and, and the gods, and the gods laugh.
1: laugh. Yeah. The podcast gods. The podcast and, uh, gods. The podcaster plans. They're two different things.
0: Every plan I have ever made,
1: TK, <laughs> has not gone according well, to plan. Well, shout out to you for making the plan in the first place. Well, there you go. Daryl's studio got has got just whiteboards and blackboards and charts. And uh, you should see it. It's just, it's just unreal. It's unreal. It's a madhouse over there.
0: Madhouse. We are going to bring in our first guest of the afternoon morning really but hmm. uh here we go santo cesar wait hello there he is in audio form
4: oh you don't see me sorry one second here we go here we go hmm. okay Ooh, there
0: we go look at that guy
4: all right So, how are you very good how are happy you happy new Great year mr yeah happy new year Happy New Year. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to Mrs. Happy Sessa. birthday yeah, I happy. will pass on the message. There's things happening in the other room, getting ready for that.
0: Some samosas uh, in the other
4: room. We got samosas. Actually, we do have we samosas. Do. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we, Great. We do have samosas. We got uh my mother, my wife's mother coming over. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a, a few things going and on. And you're just
1: taking a moment to be a guest on a podcast. No big on deal. On this
0: stupid show. Thank no, you.
1: So no much. big deal. Just, guys i gotta go do a quick little interview i'll be back right Man,
4: and we appreciate that so Santo. much
0: santa's been on the that. show a
4: couple of
1: times already
0: hasn't you guys he? you awesome. know what you guys are putting
4: fun. together is awesome here so how how can Thank i say no well, awesome. we really we appreciate it. it. We love it. So we Santa's one questions. of our
0: 14 subs. This is amazing. Yeah, and are, we,
4: are we live right now? I'm not sure. What's we're always. A- we're
0: always in- just <laughs> rocking and rolling, man. We can't. <laughs> That's I made
4: sure my hair was all ready for when we go live here. Head we're Better live. You, back for you. you You jumped Head the gun. So we get like
0: extra time with you. This is a bonus for everybody, I think. Yeah. Oh, you and can. it'll I'm give the us a lucky one. Thank you. Give us
1: an opportunity to figure out how the rest of today is going to go. Um this but how like, how did you feel I'm about 2022? How how overall how, how did you feel about 2022? What was what did it mean to you? What was it to you?
4: You got to give me a category. Um okay. so category if, real estate. If uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's surprising you ask about real estate. Let mm-hmm. me see. Um I thought it was very necessary. I thought everything that's happened Lots of people, me included, have been thinking, "Holy shit! How high can it continue to go?" And like uh, you know, like a, a, a clock where you, you take the battery out, it's still right twice a day. So all these people for years, not you know one or two months, but for years and years and years that have been saying it's not sustainable. It's got to come down. People that have been talking about that for ten years now, since since remember 2016 how crazy things went yeah. um they're finally right and and it was just a matter of time and prices uh, have have now adjusted i guess so you know i i i honestly this is the honest truth i don't see bad markets good markets i don't feel like that if i feel like that i i really shouldn't be in the real estate business to be honest there's always opportunity whatever the market's doing and um is it the right time to buy is it the right time to sell is it the right time to invest that's always a a personal choice based on someone's own set of personal circumstances and my job is to is to help people do that so you know 2022 has been a great year for us um we've met and spoken with some awesome, awesome people, more people than, uh, than that. People need more information now. So uh, those people that can can help, can guide, uh, I think are better off in, in markets where there's a lot of uncertainty. Versus say, if we're talking real estate and we're talking realtors, there's a lot of transactional realtors out there. They're They're really good at doing the paperwork. And they're really good at yeah they could put a listing together they could take you to houses they could say let's go see this one but when you get really behind the scenes and in in maybe some of the planning some of the strategy it's in these types of markets that 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 the people that are really good stand out and a lot of them are guests on your show you guys do a great job of bringing good people together
0: Thank you.
1: Beautiful. You you said it, something. You said um, a lot of people uh, were talking about the prices changing, and you said they have adjusted. Are they still adjusting? Yeah, you're, I noticed you were guy. talking
0: in like like past mm-hmm. tense. There, you said it happened, and mm-hmm. you know it sounds like you think it's behind us. But <laughs> you, Sandra, know, you well, look, also, you're the
4: you guys, the guys are also guy. experts at at putting people in a corner. Uh, we
1: just want to know the data. We don't want to know about your predictions. We just want to know what is the data show from the last, you know, well, few if, weeks. We're talking,
4: if we're talking, you know, if we're talking, say, say the peak, I mean, at some point we're going to stop talking about the peak. Um, just like we stopped talking. Remember Y2K? I saw something on TV the other day <laughs> about Y2K. At some yeah. point we stopped talking about Y2K. Like it was a thing. At some yeah. point we're going to stop talking about the peak Like it was a thing. And um, so we are down and we're talking city of Toronto, detached market. We're down about approximately 33% from the peak. Just under where, if I remember, I got all these numbers in my head, about 29% down. Sales are down about 33% um, uh, year over year. Listings are down about 10% year over year. Like Do I think it's behind us? I think. Okay. So you're asking me not to predict, but this is exactly what you're asking. for. We are here for prediction. Mr.
1: Steve uh, Carish in the house. All I, all I said was what's going on in the last few weeks. So, you know,
4: I want to. predict. Well, what's going on is what you expect to be going on at Christmas time. Things are a lot slower. There's still transactions going on. We just finished doing one actually, but it's very, very quiet as it normally is this time of year. Beautiful.
1: Oh, Santo, we want to wish you a happy new year. We want to wish your wife a happy birthday. Happy,
0: happy birthday. Enjoy the
1: samosas and the party today. And we're going to just roll into our next uh, guest today. And
0: You can stick around for a bit too, though. If want you to want to stick in. Yeah, yeah, no
1: problem. But just let I wanted you know a that, prediction. Uh, today, this is what we're doing. He predicted. You I
0: wanted this. a rates prediction. He said, we're wrong, Daryl. And we're we don't different. have to worry about it. No, no, I'll tell you hey, what tell I feel me. what you you think yeah. I'll,
3: I'll, I- I'll tell you what I feel.
0: Prices and rates from Santo Sessa,
4: the numbers guy
0: for 2023.
4: <laughs> so I think, and this is, you know, part of it, you know, when it comes to predictions, a lot of people I find myself included, we predict kind of what we'd like to see happening. Absolutely. <laughs> but but I, I predict that rates are going to go up a little bit more and then they're going to stop. I'm thinking in the middle of the year, they're going to stop. I'm thinking sales, dollar wise, uh, sales and uh, prices, I think they're gonna stay quite stable for most of the year. And I would say the time to really, really watch is gonna be fall next year. That's just my guess. So most of the year, yeah, little up, little down, depending on the area. I don't see much change from where we are now for most of the year. The fall though, I think all bets are off. I, I'm going to, it's to me anyways, it's going to be really interesting what happens in the fall, but that's just Suspenseful. my, my thoughts.
1: Yeah. Interesting. You know, could mean those anything. Are my thoughts could mean anything. That's the
4: way I see could it. Be Ice,
1: up, could be speed. down. Could be nothing. Could be, could be yeah. sideways.
0: I think yeah. I'm hoping for sideways. God. Well, Mr. Santo says, thank you so thank much you. for your time, sir. Merry new year. Happy Christmas. Happy birthday guys what we a week what a, week. What a full week of
4: people this is unbelievable what a week wishing wishing you your guests your viewers nothing but health and prosperity for 2023 thank you for putting thank all you, this together.
1: thanks we we'll see you in the new year
4: see you guys see you
0: next year buddy mr Karish. how are you sir bye-bye thanks what's going Santa? on lighting fellas today.
1: look at, those lighting. This look is at the festive. lighting
0: and yeah the- Beautiful audio. Look at this guy. This guy. Clean. You were that's voted. Mike. The people voted that you were gonna get to ten thousand before uh, before Tom.
5: Have they done that? I don't think
0: that's true. I Ooh, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it, with, it with my own eyes.
1: Crush
5: Tom's story, but
0: I, don't know. <laughs> I think you. I think you will.
5: This What's is one of the You guys.
1: You know, oh my God. we're hanging out. Just hanging keeping out. it real. New Year's. Happy New Year. Happy New Holidays Year. Holidays are going Happy well for you?
0: New Year.
5: Everything's going good. Uh, busier than I thought I'd be at this time of year, which is crazy. No, Not writing transactions, but man, there's people getting ready to do stuff in the new year, both buyers and sellers. So Everybody's still waiting. What right? does that
1: mean? What does that mean? People are Everybody's waiting. Waiting. What are they doing? Are they painting? Or What are they doing? Are they, there, are they getting pre-approved? There's a lot of painting. There's yeah. a
5: lot of painting. There's a lot of cleaners.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um a lot of painting and cleaning going on a lot of new toilets
1: that's serious once painting and cleaning starts that's
5: you know who's making out like bandits right now is cleaners if you want to get if all you realtors out there they're gonna have a tough year go get paid 40 (laughs) 50 bucks an hour to be a cleaner that is where it's at right now
1: to do basically nothing and just have the clients complain about the job they do
5: hey just like real estate i was gonna say there's like an
1: interesting comparison there it never ever works right
5: so i must be an amazing cleaner that'll be my
0: next career
1: yeah, it never it never seems to work out uh, with the cleaners, unfortunately. Good morning,
0: Donna. Have you Ooh, ever Happy had to resort Happy New Year? Have you ever had to resort in your career to being
6: a cleaner? Oh my <laughs> god, never it it got that bad Donna's done it all. I have cleaned so <laughs> many houses. You have no idea. You know, there was a time that I would have this really heavy-duty cleaning kit in my car. And when I went to a house to do an open house, I would you know, say goodbye to the people, then I would clean, right? You know, like clean the fingerprints off the stove. And oh, and it, that smart. was a time before staging and everything. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, you look and there'd be, like, and, and they'd say, oh, we spent like the whole weekend just cleaning. And then you'd walk in. Mm-hmm. And think, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cleaning yeah. Yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes too, if it, if it was a tenanted property and and the people had moved out, you know, the cleaning The whole, uh, you know, Betty Crocker spotless stuff, that's only been within the past decade, you know, with the staging, at least in, in the Hamilton area, 10, 15 years. Prior to that, it was like, oh, you know, just like now they stay, people spend countless hours staging the bed. You know, I sold houses when you just pulled up the bed. You mean, the cardboard and...
1: boxes with the sheets yeah. on top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, Steve, yeah.
6: Yeah.
0: Steve doesn't strike me as a guy that carries around cleaning supplies, but no, uh, Steve. I don't, I, don't know, I, haven't, I
6: haven't met Steve before.
0: Hey, um, Steve, Hi, meet Donna. I'm Steve. Donna, meet Steve. 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 Yeah. Steve. We're we're Hamilton to Surrey right now. That's pretty cool.
6: Ooh, Surrey, BC. Yeah. I'm moving on up. Okay. <laughs> and I'm broadcasting from New Brunswick, right? From the hills oh, of New wow. Brunswick. Oh, look at this coast, coast to coast. To coast. I, know, I know. Hey, I think we could probably start a radio show with that coast to coast. Okay. Hope it's not taken. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, we've got a few questions for Steve. So, Steve, yeah. you know, 2022, like how how was this year for you? And I don't mean like your business wise, but how did you feel about the sort of results and the events that happened over the, the course of the year?
7: Mm.
5: The results, if it's not in my business, in what manner then?
0: That's right.
1: What I'm talking about, the the results of the interest rate hikes, sales slowing like down, the prices market. having a, a change. The, a the story
5: of 2022 is nobody saw the amount of interest rate increases we needed coming. That's the story. Mm. And as a result, we all made predictions based on uh, a lot lower rate hikes than what we got. Right. I mean, I'm in one of those areas that is down some of the markets I service and detached is down 40 percent mm-hmm. from peak from oh. peak to trough. Right.
1: We just had Santo on and told us 30 percent is the GTA average for detached. Oh, yeah. so,
5: God. Uh, but here, I mean, the part that gets lost there <sighs> is how many people bought at that peak. It's a very small amount of people. Um,
0: That's I a just, good point, actually. It, it's not small.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Wow, we all pretend that absolutely everyone uh, bought a what is now a one point six million dollar house in my neighborhood for two million dollars, right? They all didn't do that. Very, very few of them did it. That was the problem. There was so few listings that that's what caused it to go that way. Like I think we jumped something like fifteen percent in the first two months of this last year, and then of course we lost. uh, You know, let's call it in my market or in my particular area twenty five percent. So, you know, are we that much different than this time last year? Not really. Um, are we that much different from the peak? For sure. So that was the story of this last year. Nobody saw that coming. I think we're gonna be relatively okay because still right now, what's a what's a five-year fixed right now, TK? I want to say four, seven, nine, four, eight, nine, something like that. Yep. Everybody's still qualified at five and a quarter. So We should be fine, Uh, except for the fact that, you know, groceries now cost 17 times what they did last year. So there's other expenses, but housing expense, as long as you're not going crazy, most people should be fine.
1: What's what's your ideal market then to be working in? Like we we really had quite like a few different markets this year. I'd say now we're in like a third phase, right? It was like A and then it was B and now we're in C. Like which market do you prefer to be working in?
5: I mean, I I think when I was on your show earlier the year, I said, like, from a listing agent point of view, I love the certainty of the market we were in, knowing we were going to have an offer and then we were going to work, you know, this uh, amount of time on a listing. It created certainty and that was great. I really, though, think we should get back to the market that I kind of came up in, which was the, you know, 2009 to 2014 market where stuff was regular, right? Stuff was like, you would have listings expire. You would have thirty percent of your listings expire. That would be fine by me. I mean, that's not a good business plan necessarily, but if that's the market, that's the market. It should not be a hundred and twelve percent average list to sell ratio. <laughs> that's not good for anybody. Um, and fifty offers on a property. Where did those it, buyers go? Like, where yeah. where are they living now? But I mean, all all the properties we're still selling now. I think this year over the average uh, for my not my market but for my personal business I'm still at like 17 days on market.
0: That is still a very wow, very That's quick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, What's so- the days on market in Hamilton right now?
6: So I think that this month it's going to come out above 30. You know, uh that it's been moving up 30. It really depends what class you're looking in. So, you know, it's that uh, single family residential not including condominiums uh, you know, so the, the condo market, uh, is, is looking a little bit on the soft side, but, you know, Hamilton, it's, if we look at the market as being location and I don't know, uh, where, where Steve, where do you work in Steve? What area? Is Surrey, BC. Did I hear you?
5: Yeah. Lower mainland yeah. of BC.
6: Yeah. So Hamilton is like the, the more the bad neighborhood of Toronto, you know? So if, if people, you know, want, uh, you know dollar for dollar if they can afford it they'll take Toronto if if that's their you know if, if that's if they're working um, in middle uh middle executive or or upper executive positions, so Toronto rules and then Hamilton does have good areas and bad areas so you know what happened over the last uh two years is those markets really got conflated so you know, they, I, I heard a lot of agents say, you know, that bad area is now the new good area, right? Well, you know, people sure. are waking up and it's no. not really, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, they'll find oh, out once they move in. And oh, the damn price it. That the bad paid. area is back yeah. again. I don't mind being you on know? a
1: busy street. <laughs> yeah. It's no so, big deal.
6: You know, who cares about the drug dealers? So yeah. that, those, those prices coming down drastically, that's really skewing the, the market. Right. You know, so, so we're seeing that repositioning. It's just going back to where it should have been. It never should have got up there. that you know, that house down uh, in the lower city should never have been selling for on the mountain and that house on the mountain should never have been selling for what it you could buy in Toronto for. Yeah. So I think we're just seeing that repositioning. and uh, people who can borrow the money are being very selective. So, you know the, the, the houses I looked at last night, kind of extensively the houses that were selling and those houses w- would have sold for 100 dollars $150,000 more and um, at the beginning of the year or this time last year, but because they're down where the average price was, you know, moving those, those numbers are skewed as well. So it's not what's the average price, it's what are you getting for the average price? right that people should look at mm-hmm. is that you know that's what that's what uh, 750 bought us last year and look what 750 buy is buying us this year so we we want to make
1: sure we get Steve's questions out here yeah. because I know that he's got a million listings to put up and, and houses to clean but Steve 2023 what uh you know what do you see in in the new year What's the watch sales, out for? volume rates uh, activity sentiment whatever topic you want to talk about
5: um I'm Kind of alluding to what I said earlier, I'm shocked at how many people are reaching out to say, hey, we're coming to Surrey and we're heading your way and we're interested in buying. From where? Um, uh, right now from Ontario. I've got, I spoke to somebody yesterday from the Sunshine Coast, which is semi-local. Um, but all people around, all walks of life. Um, and they're just, what makes sense? Now there is those people that are thinking like, okay, well, it, the market's down 30%. So that 1.2 house, I'm going to get that for 900. And that's not the way it works because that 1.2 house was 1.6. So we got to do a lot of education. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm shocked at the amount of people that want to still get in. That's where I think the big difference is between uh, now and 2008 and now, and even though I wasn't around for it in our market, 1981 was a big crash. I, I spoke to a developer the other day that was around in 1981. and His thing was like, in 1981, you did anything you could to get out of your projects. Anything. Right. anything. And he's like, I don't see that now. If anything, he has more guys going, you got any good projects you can flip to me? Really? And I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think we're going to see the doom and nastiness that everybody thinks we're going to see. I think everybody's generally fine. I think we're going to return to a state of hopefully normalcy. And um, I think interest rates will mess around for a while in and around. I wouldn't be shocked if our interest rates are exactly this spot this time next year, just depends on whatever the inflation does. I think um, the bank of Canada is going to probably take a much more measured approach. Like we're probably going to see quarter up, quarter down. If we see anything at all Um, we're meaning each adjustment will probably hopefully only be a quarter point at a time. Right, that should give us some more certainty, rather than seeing like a one percent interest rate increase, like we saw on like my birthday this year, July thirteenth. That's not normal. That's not where we should be. Right, we shouldn't be seeing those um, crazy spikes, and that that was a shock to the system for a lot of us.
0: Absolutely, here is more volume then. hoping for quarter point increases next year. Baby, let's do you go see, do quarter you points. We're going to see that. Sure. Do you think we're going to see
5: in, uh, quarter point increases.
0: For sure, we are at least one. Yeah, do you, I'm to I'm, I'm see boat anything crazy, yeah, nothing drastic.
1: Than that? What we, we've we already seen the drastic rate uh changes, right? Okay. They're just mm-hmm. it's just I not think necessary so. anymore. I don't know, they're, people there are could still, still s- be a long term I mean, t- change. I'm not t- saying t- the rates couldn't go up shit. much further, but it'll be a very small increments, if anything. People, right? and are, like you said, measured approach. I like that. That's a good term. It's going to be a much are, more measured approach because they really want to make sure that they're uh doing the right things and not overshooting the mark.
0: I think people are stupid and they're still spending and the bank of Canada may have to give us another shot across the bow. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mr. Karish, feel free to stick Steve, around anytime. We yeah. Tom we Story appreciate you. Happy New Year. Now. Still have Donna Backer. This is crazy. We got a lineup forming here. Tom, welcome. I don't know what welcome. to do, bro. I knew this was going to get out of hand. This is great, though. Anybody feel free to jump in at any point to say anything. Tom, how's it going? Thanks for joining us on the road. Yeah,
8: it's uh it's going well. My Wi Fi is a little shoddy out here, but I wanted to jump on and wish everybody a happy New Year and see if you guys can hear me. All right, we can hear you perfect, loud and clear, man. Happy, happy New year. year,
0: buddy. Thanks Absolutely. for taking the time. Appreciate it. We know. Uh, did you're a did busy Steve guy.
8: say anything interesting or, or nothing, nothing like usual? Zero. Mm. You know what? Zilch.
0: We noticed though on the poll that went up that uh, the people think Steve's going to outpace you. Is that may, did the bots? Uh, flip think, that. Did the boss? I think Steve's yet? got
8: like ten fake accounts, 10, and he accounts votes on that our that own different? polls. That's what know. I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you guys are both killing it together, which is amazing. Look at this. We got where? Where are you? You're up north in like Muskoka or something?
8: Are you on? No, I'm actually Lake east. Jones? I'm in. Uh, I'm looking at Lake Ontario right now. So New I'm like on Ontario, the way to Prince Edward yeah. County area. We got
0: New Brunswick, Donovan, New Surrey, Brunswick Surrey, all
1: at the same, same time. Vacation property. Steve got, Steve's we got
0: in Surrey. Patrick Franci's going to jump in. He's from Alberta, so we're going to just cover the country right now. Donna, we want
1: to kind of hear from you out of of the markets that you've worked in the past. You know, what's your ideal market to be working in? You know, prices going up, prices going down, small increases, lots of inventory, buyers market selling. Like, what would you define as being the most ideal environment um, that you could be operating your business in?
6: Well, I think that uh, when the like inflation is the, that's the killer, okay, inflation. So when households are faced with inflation, when there's financial stress, et cetera, those those become very difficult markets to work in, uh, difficult markets to navigate. So, you know, that's kind of where we are right now, inflation, fluctuating interest rates. My Probably the the best uh, markets that I think I've ever worked in has been, you know, that uh, 2013 to 2015 market before it took off, where where there was some predictability. So you know, prices weren't getting haywire. You knew when you sold a house for you know five hundred thousand dollars that it was gonna be, that your people weren't going to be underwater. Interest rate, like so, th- those stable markets for a realtor, in my opinion, are the are the uh, the nicest markets to sell in, and. And then on the flip side of that, when you get uncertainty and, uh, you know, and what we've experienced here in the past two years and now rising inflation, those become very not only uh, difficult markets, but they, be- in my opinion, they become very dangerous markets for agents. So if you're going to get your ass in court on anything, it's going to be in one of these markets. Okay. So, uh, you know, coming no in, in, I can what's that? Nobody wants to end up in court. That's right. Because it's the blame game, right? You know, everything was going great. And then all of a sudden there's, you get pulled into things. And then when, as an agent, when you get pulled into those things, you're not out there making money. So, uh, you know, there's that aspect. So I would say of all the time that I've, I've, that I've worked in real estate, my most favorite time was 19, when I first started 1983 to like 1986, then things got really crazy and then, uh, once again, um, after the financial crisis in the states, so 2012 to 2015. Beautiful, beautiful
1: Pat- Patrick's just joined us. Welcome, Patrick. Happy New Year! Happy New, yeah, year. Happy New year, guys. We're gonna Thanks try and us. get
0: to everybody here. We got people in the waiting room. Tom, how was 2022 from your perspective? Did you enjoy 2022?
8: Yeah, I mean, because most of the year wasn't actually that crazy, it was just the first three months right where like 2021 was an absolute shit show the entire time so it's actually nice to take some time and not just be busy in the business you know i was thinking about i was thinking about like what could i come on here and say that is actually interesting to the viewer that's not just real estate chatter so yes steve thinks nothing so i talked with steve about this and we had heard this this line so in 2021 we had a record amount of sales across canada specifically You know, Treb had 125,000 sales. This year, we're going to end at like 75,000. And everyone's complaining, there's no inventory, there's no inventory. But there was inventory. It was just fast inventory. Mm. And and if I'm looking at into 2023, I think it's going to be this weird thing where there's still less inventory. Like there's not going to be a lot to choose from, but it's going to be slow inventory. So I think it's just like, we're still going to have an inventory issue next year, but there's still going to be all those buyers. They're like, you know what? I'm still going to wait to see what happens here. But uh, I'm I'm excited about next year. I think there's gonna be a massive opportunity. I bought a property in the last few months because it made sense for me for the long term to jump up the property ladder. But uh, yeah, 2022. I'm happy. It's it's almost done. But uh, it was an interesting year.
0: Interesting year to say the least. And Mr. Patrick Franci, thank you for joining us from. Where are you right now? Are you in Calgary? Yeah, I'm. I'm in Vancouver. Yeah. Vancouver. Oh, so we didn't hit Alberta yet. Do we have anybody coming from There's there? All maybe these further west and <laughs> and now,
3: Don't forget. Don't forget. I'm bi provincial, buddy. I am so provincial. <laughs> He's representing Alberta today. Representing. I can. Alberta. I can. <clears throat> I qualify to represent Alberta. Oh. I've got businesses there and homes. So
1: awesome, pa- Patrick. Like the investor standpoint. I mean, like investors in 2022 like whoa what a story to tell right like was this a good year for investors
3: well I think it depends on where you entered the game right and uh, how you entered the game there's you know there was a lot of emotion driven decisions and for you know those individuals who got caught in the FOMO and the hype I don't know that it was such a great year you know it felt Uh pretty good and then you know, reality struck. The music stopped. And uh, when you when the music stops, and you don't have a chair, uh, guess what? You know, it doesn't look so good. Other investors who you know stayed on a path and made data driven decisions and bought for cash flow or had an actual plan uh, with an exit strategy actually did okay. And that wasn't that they were exiting this year, or you know, it was that that they have a plan and including an exit strategy. So they weren't looking to make a quick dollar, get rich really fast. They weren't taking advice from their brother-in-law or sister-in-law or whatever. And Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing you know, that uh, they were doing pretty good. So I think it's a mix. It's a real mix and uh, we have to understand what's going on economically to actually really see what's going to happen in 2023.
1: And I asked this to another investor we had on the show um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, like what's the ideal market to be buying in as an investor? I mean, if the prices go up, you know, great. You're going to get that appreciation. Prices are coming down. It's like, well, fantastic. I know I'm not buying near the peak. If prices are flat, I may not get that appreciation. Like, Ideally, is, is an investor calculating that as, as far as a good market, bad market?
3: You know, there's a, there's some fundamental lessons here for, for everybody that, you know, depends on what your plan is, TK. So, you know, if you're buying for appreciation, just know that that adds a degree of risk because things can happen, right? As we've experienced. And if you're buying for appreciation, that's one strategy. If you're buying for cash flow and a long-term buy and hold, that's a totally different strategy. And of course, then we've got everything in between all of that. So, you know, what's the ideal market? It depends on your strategy. And then I, I think, you know, what I often have taught over the past 20 years is that there is no bad real estate market. There really isn't from an investor point of view. What there is, is there's, A shift in tactics that has to happen to actually accommodate that strategy or that real estate market. Market. So, you know, some markets, you know, buy and hold doesn't make sense right now because you can't get cash flow or it's really hard to get cash flow. So you got to go out hunting, right? You got to go out hunting and look for that motivated, you know, vendor. And then other other markets, uh, buy and hold makes sense. Cash flow is good today and is only going to get better. So, you know, back to Alberta where we kind of, talked a little bit about you know but alberta and there's lots of really great things happening there and economically it looks very very strong and has all the reason to continue on that that path
0: well we know justice queen hello happy new year and she she's a big proponent of uh alberta right mm-hmm. she's from alberta
1: i think right Welcome, you're from Sheista, ha- ha- happy, new happy, happy new year
9: happy
1: new year,
0: new
9: year. I was born and raised in Alberta and moved here about over 10 years ago. I mean, the thing that I think people do need to keep in mind for Alberta is it is a boom and bust economy. So, I mean, people have to go in understanding that they did have a flat line for a very long time. So are you okay with that? Because it really depends on if you're familiar with the economy. But I mean, the prices of the homes are far more affordable. And I mean, I'm always telling younger people that it, it's a good opportunity to move to if, if you could get, like, you know, a career there. Like, I mean, if you're a nurse or you're a teacher, you're kind of like someone that could live anywhere in Canada, why not? Right? Like, if you can't afford Toronto. I mean, I never used to kind of have that mentality of telling people to like move there ever before. But lately I am telling people because I actually don't see Toronto prices like going down significantly for people to be able to afford it. Like, I just don't see that happening for the urban center. I I do see it like probably for the suburbs, but I think Alberta, I mean, in terms of the peace that it provides, the work-life balance, I mean, it's an entirely different world. Like it's like day and night to Toronto. Like I love Alberta um, to death. So I'm a big proponent of Alberta.
1: So you feel like the, the, the living, um, the quality of life in Toronto is, is oh, yeah. decreasing. And that's quality
9: what of life I mean, even like, I mean, I take public transit, like I love Toronto as well. Like, I mean, I, I live in Toronto, I love Toronto, but I can afford to live here. But I mean, I do think from a quality of life perspective, like I mean, even in terms of health care, in terms of the transit system, um, like Toronto's had over 10 years of austerity. Uh, they have a mayor that isn't really interested in making transit better like these are things that we need if, if you know people are going to say that we're a world class city and you know you're going to market the real estate market as a place where everybody wants to come, you do have to, you know, take care of that kind of stuff even with the homelessness like all the different things that are happening in the city. I mean, a lot of people are getting like angry about like how things are in Toronto right now. So I think from a quality of life perspective, if you're looking for peace and quiet, um, a different kind of political outlook, I think that's another reason why people are moving to Alberta. Um, I think that they 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 sort of like maybe like conservative values. Um, so I think that's like another point of view. And I think from a housing perspective, like if you look at Edmonton, the stuff that they've done with zoning, the stuff that they've done with missing middle density, they're like years ahead of uh, Toronto. Like they're years ahead of most places in Canada. Like they're very forward thinking in terms of their housing, in terms of their density um, all that stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, like Alberta. I do like Toronto as well, but I think from a quality of life perspective, like I see people over here and it's just normalized to work more than one job. Like mm-hmm. this is just a normal thing. Like, oh, well, just work another job. Like, I mean, I work to your jobs. parents to co-sign for the mortgage. It's no big deal. Everybody does it.
0: I, like I always used to say, I always used to say in Canada, like we were so different from the states where where in the US they would like kind of migrate wherever the work was or the affordability was right like it didn't matter where they went to school or where their parents were and they didn't really give a shit about anything but where they could afford to live right and I, I always noticed that Canadians were nothing like that right like we always stayed near home and we always wanted to plant the roots kind of close to where we grew up in and, and, and people are angry that they can't do that right now but are we seeing kind of a shift in mentality in canada now where we're, we're willing to kind of follow the affordability or are people going to start well, there's a
3: there's a there's a part of it that you know just to speak to it really quickly which is um <clears throat> people the, the work from home opportunity and the work from anywhere opportunity kind of changed the game right uh that wasn't as you know it was always there or has become more like it became more common two, three, even before pre-COVID, right? But now that COVID is here and everybody got to actually practice it, you know, actually go, oh, hold, this does work, this can work, and so the work from home uh, cohort uh, really changed the game in terms of where people can live. It we saw the dynamics change in terms of the research that we we do, and in regards to housing overall, and of course from an investor point of view. So that's a you know that's a fundamental shift that. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. I think we're still going to have a big portion of our population, working population that is is wanting to work from home. That and that changes where they where they live.
0: What about you, Tom? What do you see? I mean, you're you're younger than at least me by by about a decade. What like No, but really. I mean, it's a different perspective, right?
8: I'm I'm slightly biased, right? Like I was born in the city. I've only ever lived in the city, so I can't compare it to anything else. Um uh, I had a friend recently that visited from Calgary and we out, we went out for lunch and he was like, you know, what is it about Toronto? Because he had only been here once before. I'm like, well, why are you here? He's like, well, I had to fly here because our company was launching launch- on the Toronto Stock Exchange. I'm like, yeah, right. So you flew here. So there was something here that you had to come for, right? So, I mean, if you look at like whether it's like your favorite band, they're going to play here. We have all the sports teams in Canada. The Hockey Hall of Fame is in is in Toronto you know, Canada's wonderland is essentially Toronto. It's Vaughn, right? But like, it's right there. So all the things are there, but I do totally understand, right? Like if I, the one thing with our jobs as real estate agents is I've kind of built up my business in this city and I could move elsewhere and start from, from the beginning, but it would it would take some time to build it up again. So I feel like I'm personally a little bit stuck here, not in a bad way, but if I was in a different career and I couldn't move and I could go to Calgary and buy a house and understand that there's going to be some minus 40 days and get over that, I'd think about it. But like in my current situation, I want to be here. Um, so, you know, that's where, where I come from on the topic. But again, I've never lived anywhere else. So I've, this is the farthest I've been is wealth for university and then back to the city. Right. So it's right. kind of all I know.
0: Well, there's a other, another young man who joined the room, Mr. Daniel Foch
2: hey how's it going happy new year
0: happy new year buddy and so so i mean you you kind of i mean you you're kind of known for being working up north right north ish and um i mean that used to be cheaper but now it kind of caught up um but what we're kind of talking about at the moment is is like are people willing to really move around the country now uh because of affordability or 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 uh, as Justice Queen saying, um, like the the quality of life here in Toronto is getting worse. Right. Um, right? So so are, are there factors at play that are, are forcing people to kind of move around or be more willing to than in the past? Are you seeing that?
2: In yeah, your for generation? sure. I think I think data indicates that people are moving to more affordable locations. But it's how many is the big question, right? Like there's a lot of people moving to Calgary. The the most people moving out of Ontario are moving to Alberta. um, And they're most cases, millennials. A millennial cohort is moving to Alberta. Why would they be doing that? Well, probably because they can't economize in a city like Toronto. Everybody's saying Toronto is going to become like New York. It already is like New York in a lot of ways where people basically join this soul-sucking economy and get stuck on a hamster wheel for 20 to 30 years. That's fine. Like that's okay. But that's a consequence of being a world-class city. Some people don't want that. And the people who don't want that—it's probably a minority of the population, but a lot of them are going to places like Alberta. They're going to places like Nova Scotia where they can start a family, have a life. They're not coming back to Toronto. They're planting their roots there. Like this is the reason that beer companies market to young people. Cause once they're stuck with that beer or that type of cigarette, they're, they're with them for their whole life. And now a city, you're literally attaching yourself to that geography. So these people are starting families in Halifax or Calgary. They're there forever. That doesn't mean that it's not, it's not bearish for Toronto. Toronto is going to continue immigrating people. It's going to continue to grow as a world-class city, but it's, and and affordability is probably going to continue to erode as a result of that. So, I mean, for people who want quality of life, who want more spending power for their dollar, who want to be able to economize, they're going to other cities where they can do that in Canada. You see the same mobility across the United States for people who want, you know, the sex appeal of the city, You know, to be in in the city of Toronto, to do the things that Tom was just talking about, to have that central location and be in in Canada's World Trade Center, um, they're going to be in Toronto forever. The question becomes, like, who dies with more wealth? I'm going to say probably the people who made the financial decision earlier.
1: Just, just so everyone knows. So we got nine people total on, on here now. Uh, At any time you have to go, go, just go. Yeah, you know? feel to free to go. To we have end. a
0: couple of people still waiting in you know, the we way. We want here. to try
1: to get everyone a chance to talk did, and uh, uh, you know plan this property. We appreciate we, we... It. Greg Ewan's just joined us. I well, think they Greg. just kicked me Happy out of here. So I'm going to say
5: Happy New Year, everybody. Steve Carrish, um, thank Steve. you so much,
6: buddy.
0: Happy New Year, really it. Appreciate... Happy
6: New Year, Steve. You bet. I
0: really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, guys, I'm going to
8: jump out too. I got a baby to wake up from a nap. The By Tom Story later, Show
0: Dan. bails simultaneously.
8: Dan, you're wearing a hat hey, of a company so... that's still in business. It's amazing <laughs> to see. Yeah, I know. Happy First New Year, everybody! New
3: Year. <laughs> so I, I, there's a comment then, I want to make around Alberta that I think is important thanks, for for listeners, and that is that you know. So number one, uh, back to I think uh, uh, we talked. Somebody mentioned it earlier, which is that you know. Alberta's an up and down market and it's boom and bust. And these are all things that are attached to Alberta. But understand another fundamental about what drives that, which is what's going on globally. So just keep that one in mind. Number two is that people are moving to Alberta, not just for cost of living, cost of housing, quality of life, et cetera. Businesses are going there as well because of those same reasons. And, you know, plus there's no sales tax, right? There's not an HST, you know, that is a is attached to Alberta. So that whole cost of living is great. Um, and that makes a really big difference. But one fundamental thing that I'm seeing from an investor point of view, that which is where we started this conversation from investors, uh, just a little warning, which is uh, we see. I'm seeing a lot of Ontario uh, investors go into Alberta, they're going into Calgary, they're buying condos. And mm-hmm. well, that is not necessarily bad. I'm gonna caution everybody, the condo market in Calgary and, Ed, and Edmonton specifically, uh, are not what you have in Ontario and in Toronto uh, I wouldn't you couldn't give me a condo and sadly I own a half a dozen or more of them but that was from years ago and that's why I'm learning I've you know no regrets because you know I've owned them for 20 years they're basically paid for but I'm saying to investors do not buy a condo in Edmonton that's I, I'll say that with a blanket statement and probably get you know beat up for it but i'm saying that and in calgary be very very cautious and make sure you're working with a realtor that understands what's going on in those markets because it's just a different game and a lot of money moving into that province and so just caution
0: caution everywhere i think everywhere you should be using caution right now but that doesn't mean not to do anything uh greg happy new year mr jordan skrinko is here Vaz from vast city estates is here happy <laughs> new year everybody merry holidays whatever the heck you celebrate i can't Vaz looks
10: like james bond right now is
0: amazing look at this back dude
10: i i had some crazy technical issues here but uh here we this. are man looks great looks
0: yeah. great everybody looks great jordan Skrinko with the full beard gruff style look at this guy
7: it's been uh it's been a slow December. You don't that's have to shave December. when you have no clients to see. That's right? But <laughs> yeah, that's, he's why, bearish. that's why I always he's have been,
0: a big beard. bullish. What did you what was your tweet? I'm bullish on Toronto. I'm getting a lot of
1: advertisements for pre-construction. I mean the the commission rates keep going up. They keep offering more and more the the developers. Yeah, I've, heard, I've seen
2: like seven percent.
7: Oh, yeah. we got we we did a we did a few recently at eight.
1: Eight
2: percent
1: that you're yeah. never
0: going to see half of. <laughs> <That's->
1: <laughs> well, I talked to a developer the other day, and they said instead of offering discounts, it's better just to offer the realtors more commission.
7: That's yeah, oftentimes the realtors will pass that they along in terms of cashback yeah. credit on closing, so it's a, it's another way of getting around it, right? Um, yeah, Oh man. Always well, at least it's not food,
6: right? That they're not offering realtors bags of food you know that's for someone is not yet (laughs) i'm sure that's it
0: realtors (laughs) should be offering bags of food like you guys should be standing there in the uh the open houses giving out free food this is uh this is insane mr Ewens. what's happening from your perspective in planning are people still like putting in applications are people rushing to get things into the city right now
11: yeah i mean from what from what we're seeing, um, I, I think it's probably slowed down a bit, but we're we're having a lot of people talk to us about stuff outside Toronto. We got a few projects in Toronto that we're working on, stuff that we've got lined up to start in January. Um, but yeah, it's and, and a bunch of missing middle stuff. Believe it or not, um, a lot of people that are taking existing properties, adding garden suites, laneway suites, chopping them up into triplexes, sixplexes, other stuff and so we got a bunch of that um i don't know i think it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens next year the province is going to come out with more legislation i suspect early in the new year to shake things up um and yeah i I think you know housing is still going to be the issue as i was jumping on the call by the way this is like the biggest new year's party i'm going to be at this year so
7: (laughs) me too (laughs) i got like i'm a seven month old over there
11: Uh, right so no, I think somebody was saying when I hopped on that housing and inflation is still going to be the thing next year. I think, I think people are going to talk about housing just as much, but more so in the context of the overall cost of living being an issue next year, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the big deal. But And uh, so what you're saying yeah. is
1: creating more density and stuff like that, that's important for any anytime well, soon. Well,
11: yeah, I hope, I mean, this, this like, I mean, build more housing, like the, it, it I don't know. It takes some real mental gymnastics to get from the problem of there are more people than there are more people than homes, and then the solution of let's make sure that the industry earns only as much as uh, a few politicians might be personally comfortable with. Like I, I just, I mean, Toronto especially has to take its official plan, you know, where we grow, where we don't grow, and really, I mean, almost blow it up. We we need more areas where there's a lot more density. Create more centers. Create more areas where you can build. More density. Get away from tall and sprawl. Um, I don't know. I've talked to you guys both. Do, do you feel do you feel good
1: saying that now that you're not working at the city anymore? Or it's kind of like on the record, I, I like, said... here you go.
11: Blow <laughs> it up. I, I think most people in the city actually agree with that point of view. So it's, uh, I mean, the plan is like 20 years old. More than that. Because a bunch of stuff was carried over from the pre 2000 plan. Now, honestly, it should have been rewritten in 2010. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't suited to handle the growth of the past 10 years in Toronto. It's been crammed all into specific areas and look at the effects of it. Like like there's no easy sites left. It's very challenging to build. So hopefully there's some relief on that front, whether it's at the city level or the province or, or whatever else. So yeah. And I hope last thing I'll say is I hope that we stop asking people um so much about what kind of housing there they think should be built in their communities. Right. I think we go out and we have these consultation meetings about oh, do you want a four-story or six-story apartment over here? Do you want this? Do you want that? We got to start treating housing like infrastructure where there's a demonstrated need in an area, go out and figure out how to get it built.
1: Yeah. i are so. tearing up my front lawn right now in December. It's almost January. It says it's not going to be done until May. We've got no options, no choice. Right. right? That's it. Uh, Jordan, uh, projects that are getting launched. I mean, you're hearing it from Greg himself. myself. We need more housing. What do you see yeah. for 2023? Are we going to have more housing created from, from developers?
7: Uh, well, I think I think uh, the the problem is just going to be investor appetite. You got to hit those sales targets in order to get the construction financing, and depending on what type of product you're launching and where people are just sitting back and waiting. Right? It's very hard to swallow. You know, when everything's going up and everybody's making a ton of money, you know, it's very easy to look at a project that's thirty percent over market value, over resale market value, value, um, and say, oh, whatever, I'll still make money on it ten years down the line. But when When the market's headed sideways or worse down, it's very difficult to swallow a premium like that. And the problem is the cost of construction has risen so much over the last two years, but the price of the actual resale market value of condos has not. Therefore, the gap is at levels we've never seen before, right? So you're paying in some projects $1,800 a foot for a one-bedroom where the resale market across the street is at $1,200 a foot. So how do you swallow that? And as an investor, and what I'm telling my investors is you don't. (laughs) Don't do it. You don't. Yeah. Um, And so you have to look for other projects where a lot of the times, you know, projects that launched two, three years ago, unfortunately, they're closing sooner, but they have far better pricing because they're already mid-construction. Some of these projects are priced at resale market value. But the reality is, and this is something, you know, on Twitter, I get a lot of heat for this. So like, why would anybody pay these premiums? Here's the reality. And here's how consumer sentiment works. 20% of the population is C-type analytical people who are going to put rational thinking above all else. The rest of them are not. And so what happens is people tell you, clients tell us all the time, over thousands of sales, clients will tell us price is their primary consideration when they're considering a pre-construction condo. They're full of shit. They just don't know it. What what actually is their primary consideration is something else entirely. And what I mean by that is if you have Project A, which is priced at resale market value, but launched a year ago, okay, and Project B, which is launching today, which is 25% more than resale market value, but has thousands of worksheets, so it's oversubscribed, it's what everybody else wants, it's the shiny object with all the buzz and hype, everybody thinks they want Project A, right? But when you give them when you when you present that opportunity to them, it's objection after objection after objection. But when instead you get them a unit that's twenty five percent above resale market value at Project B, and you tell them there's 10 other people in line for this unit if you don't want it, you have 24 hours to sign it, they'll sign it and they'll thank you. And you know, they're super happy about that purchase. So the reality is it's a lot easier to sell a project based on hype than it is based on numbers. And that's the unfortunate reality in Toronto. So when that hype is gone and projects are not oversubscribing, it's a real grind to hit that seventy percent sales target. You're not you're not selling out over a weekend anymore. Um, so, I mean, a long answer to your question, but uh, I think this is why I said I'm bullish. Right? Um, is because at the same time as all time high immigration, it's very hard for developers to pre sell enough inventory to break ground right now. So you're actually going to see a contraction in housing starts versus what you would normally see sure and what That's a, my a, bull case. And
0: what and but what happens to like inventory and pricing when guys start defaulting on their loans and can't get the construction financing that they i mean they've sold the project but things start to fall apart or they've started construction and things start to fall apart like and, and, and then like well, what happens then? Because that's like hundreds of units that people thought that they were moving into on mm-hmm. X date. That now all of a sudden they need to find somewhere else to live, probably right.
7: So yeah, so, I mean, for for some people, I would almost say the project canceling and their re- deposits being refunded is probably what they're hoping for. A right good now. thing right now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but yeah, no, you're going to get. But they still need to live somewhere.
0: Yeah, right. And so, then they they have a they have to wait another year or two, right?
6: So Daryl, to uh, Jordan's point there, uh, in concern to, you know, the cost of construction, and taking us back to to nineteen eighty, you know, people had paid uh, good bucks for land. All right, that was one of the big issues. Inflation was high, land values were high, and what happened is these these started to fail. So when when the the land came back on the market, it came in at. At a rate that was, that, you know, the banks, the lenders are the ones that took the hit on it. So the, the land got repriced, came back out into, uh, into a value that was, a, that was attainable, that, was, that could be absorbed into the market. So I've been saying for a long time, especially, you know, to my investors, you know, one of the biggest things that will kill you is overpaying for land. Right. Mm-hmm. You you can't get into there and you have to do everything and, and weigh, weigh all of the uh, pluses and minuses because overpaying for raw land will kill you for your investment. It could kill you for your investment uh, uh, options down the road. So have a lot of developers, Daryl, overpaid for their land recently because they're
1: basing all those performers on... In the uh, last the two years. Price, price I, like, like, I can't
0: imagine how they haven't, but I mean, it really depends on where they bought and how they bought and what kind of financing they got. From also, the, what the density vendor. assumptions. Yeah, too. Like, density assumptions. There's so many things.
3: I think there's a, there's a fundamental, you know, Jordan brought it up you know, a little bit, you know, just around the 20% who actually look at things. You know, if we've learned nothing over the past couple of years is that, you know, critical thinking is not as common. Like, when you look at this group... <laughs> We're all critical thinkers. And what we uh, uh, probably have been observing and being frustrated by is that that isn't really common. So, for realtors, especially, you know, you guys often get a bad rap because you're selling deals that you shouldn't be selling, quote unquote. But the reality of it is, nobody knows the conversations and the guidance that you've tried to to provide a lot of buyers and not doing that or doing that or considering this or considering that. And they make their decisions the way they make their decisions, often emotional, you know, maybe FOMO, especially the past year, you know, there's a lot of that involved. And so when we look at what's happening in the market, you know, understand you guys are in the business, you know, I've been in the business for 20 years, over 20 years, and, and you start to understand how much and how many dynamics there are to try to come up with a, a future picture, you know? So imagine you guys are in the industry, you're in it every single day in the trenches and you're even having like, how do we connect all these dots to make sense out of it? Sure. You know, Don is going back to 1980. I go back to 1977 when I bought my first piece of real estate. So, you know, these are things that are really complex and, I, you know, I don't know that there's a, a real answer other than to continue to look at what the economic fundamentals are. We've got geopolitical issues. And then you're talking specifically about, let's say, Toronto slash GTA, you know, Southern Ontario, whatever you want to look at. And it is really complex. And, uh, you know, I think it's up to us as leaders to do our best to give people, you know, options. And they're going to make the choices they make understanding one fundamental that critical thinking is not all that common. So, you yeah. know.
0: Well, I I think from a development standpoint, I mean, find me someone who didn't think they overpaid when they bought it. And and I mean, with a long enough time horizon, most developers end up looking like geniuses. But now's a dangerous time, right? Like where this is not the same. a couple of you on the panel may have been through this inflation thing. I was alive during it, but certainly not coming from a perspective of, you know, needing to understand it or or knowing what was going on around me. I was like 11 or something like that, 12. But now like I've been through a crash and I got destroyed. I think everybody on the panel knows that that's kind of part of my story. I got killed in 2009 because I was overzealous and stupid. Uh, and, and I saw warning signs, and people told me, and I didn't listen. I thought I was smarter, and 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 I learned my lesson the hard way. But like now is this feels totally different to me. This doesn't feel like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. This feels like like nobody has control of anything right now, and things are just kind of like floating out there. And you got a bunch of idiots trying to figure out what to do, and like like honestly who's telling people to buy $2 million houses on a Uber driver's salary? Like what the hell's going on? And, and, and like, like who is telling people to buy these condos where you're going to be under every single month, right? Like those mm-hmm. performers I've seen in like who
1: we had, we had Santa
3: on at you the think, beginning. Naryl, of the just a question, just a question for all of you, because I've seen a lot of that kind of banter on Twitter but do you think that those are the outliers? That's, is that the norm? Is that I think really, it's the you know?
0: norm around here. That's the yeah. thing. And that's why things are so fucked. Isn't that the norm, Dan? <laughs> like you look at stuff with some crazy yields, but like most yeah. people look at them and go, what the fuck is that stuff? It's like,
2: yeah. Yeah. I think um people in the GTA were comfortable buying cash negative for the past uh, 20 years because Appreciation always made the deal make sense, right? I mean, it's classic US setup. For, it was a performa uh, line, like it was a line on the performa, like it will go yeah, could, up well, by
0: this much, right. this many times, this many years. Like
2: it was just jump in, yeah, jump in. Everybody like, terminal, terminal value, and, and it always made sense. You take out the terminal value if you assume a no appreciation environment, the deal never made sense. And never. that to me isn't an investment, it's speculation, right? And,
1: that, and that's just Like it was, That's, it was that's this, cool, but it was that sentiment. Pay for it. Yeah, this sentiment is what drove it. So, uh, Patrick's question was: Is this, you know, the the minority? No, it's actually the majority of investors, right? In the in the GTA. So, because they all feel the same way, they are all sort of ringing their own truth by driving the prices up. You know, I made money, you make money, I made money, you make money, we all make money. Oh, and and so it's driven by this sort of unnatural um, demand that you know everyone's just kind of like, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I know if I keep doing it and telling everyone else, it's great. So why we've lost. 30 something percent of the volume this year, right? As some of the numbers you've heard from 125,000 to 75,000, whatever sales are down big time is because that little unquantifiable measure, that sentiment that buyers had has disappeared. It's
7: gone. Well, I was just going to say, is it unnatural or is it, the, is it the normal process as a major metro matures as a housing market? Like, hmm. did we not yeah, see I've, this happen in New York, Hong Kong, I've London, Berlin? yeah i
2: mean if you look at like ubs you know real estate bubble index literally just reads as a list of cities that are you know places that people want to live right like they're the most most uh sought after places to live in the world it sucks like it it, but this is the reality that canada is facing and and i've said this for for years before COVID happened before emergency interest rates the end of what this looks like for canada is we fail or, or at least for toronto and vancouver is we we finish our life cycle as a a city that ends up as a renter's economy like most world-class cities are in that position and so if you want to capitalize on that you need to be somebody who's a provider of housing and because you know you look at most of germany high institutional ownership of housing in urban areas low home ownership rates switzerland some of the lowest home ownership rates in the world these are all economies that canada aspires to be like right they're just much older countries than we are and so they're further along in their in their cycle so Think about other OECD nations that, you know, 100 years ago, people, everybody in the world wanted to move to Europe, right, as an example. And now what have they ended up like? Canada is in the same position. The U.S. was in this position maybe 20 or 30 years ago or 50 years ago, let's say. And in a lot of cases, they're very much a renter's economy, right? So we're just much earlier in that trajectory. Like the end is visible here. It's just most people aren't thinking about it that way. Most people are thinking prices go up and it's this homeownership Ponzi scheme, but the reality is you can find good assets to rent to people and create housing. That's where the money is going to be made long term.
0: That's where it's going to be made. Vaz, long, long what do term, you have to say?
1: They have a plan in place, right? Which is you know the type of people that Patrick at Rain and, yeah. and you know the people who are actually educated on it. But the people who are just jumping in, assuming prices will go up, don't have an exit strategy, don't understand how the market works, don't uh, don't know have any other plan other than one day I'm going to sell it for more money and speculating. That it's, to me is not sustainable or natural that's something that you know will come and go and disappear and i feel like it's gone it has to
0: well,
2: well I, I, the part yeah. that's sorry yeah, the part that's the most funny sorry now is, is that no like good assets good performing assets will appreciate in value too like the cap rate compression that we were seeing in some of the cities like cornwall as an example which is one that i talked about we were going from like during covid it was trading in like the four cap area and we were buying pre-covid in in six seven and we're buying seven percent caps again I could have doubled my money and sold some of those assets during covid if I wanted to. Like they appreciated just as much if not more than a lot of these other uh other, you know, ha- speculative assets that people were buying in in certain areas. So you might you can buy for yield and still get the capital appreciation. Like it doesn't they're not mutually exclusive. There's, you know, there's the one piece but but most people are thinking only capital appreciation when you can get both. That
3: that speaks to what we talked about earlier, which is what is your plan, right? Most people don't have one. But, you know, back to, you know, Daryl, what you said earlier is that it seems so different than it was back in 08, 08, 09 during the, you know, the GFC. And and the reality of it is, is that we've never, ever experienced where we're having a global, uh, I'm going to call it over liquidity crisis. You know, all central banks started. You know, just absolutely flooding the world with capital. That was the first issue. You've got Ukraine and uh, Russia going on. You've got China, Taiwan. You've got UK and uh, Europe melting down. You've got China doing oil deals uh, with OPEC. I mean, there's so many uh, macro so much geopolitical shit. issues it's crazy. that we 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 don't we have no idea what's really going on. No. So you know, it's like everybody's waiting for inflation to come down. And because I study it, I'm going hold on to your hats because the fundamental issue we're going to have is interest rates. Number one, don't change the price of oil. They don't change the price of fuel and they do not change the price of food. food. And we've got a fundamental that right now oil is not so bad. My, you know, I'm looking at it right now and going, I, it's only going up. Oh, and yeah. when we start to see oil go up, everything else will in fact uh, go up. So what we can do, what, you know, Canada is a debt driven economy. And a housing driven economy will feel the pain uh, in the housing market for sure. But, you know, there's going to be a lot more of the unknowns because of the global macro.
0: For sure. Faz is an accountant, so he must have been going crazy yeah. as people are looking at these performers <laughs> and, you know, what do you have to say about last year in the, the last little while?
10: So I, <clears throat> I have I have a friend that was selling a condo and he put in a, a 7% appreciation and he told me that's conservative and he was trying to tell, <laughs> tell me that this is a good move and this is back in 20 tail end of 2021 oh yeah. anyway <laughs> wild right but i did want to make a comment so i had mark morris on my youtube channel and as you guys know this guy puts out pure fire when he talks people listen yeah and i had about a handful of people reach out from that video that bought pre-cons and it was about power of sale the process how it works what to do and I think the lowest exposure that somebody had on pre-cons from the three or four people that reached out was two million dollars. So this guy was the best case. His salary, so a single earner with his wife, salary of 125 grand a year. Oh my god. His exposure to pre-cons was two million. Oh. The best one I had, he was at I think three and a half mil, but his household income was about half a million between him and his wife. So anyway, I refer these people to Mark. I don't know what's gonna happen. I will reach out to them. I have them in my follow-up but yeah man pretty wild selection bias though
7: yeah if they reach out to you from a video including mark morris talking about pain in the <laughs> yeah. assignment market they're going to be the absolute the most worst painful people. like <laughs> you know like, like the people who call me in tears asking me to sell their assignment units are the are the same people they're the ones with like four pre-con contracts all closing at the same time in the same building and i'm like what's your household income they're like 150k and i'm like who mm-hmm. got you into this from fucking class like this is what's going on the, the, the one, that, but I is... think
2: that there's there's a scarier cohort of people who haven't even started thinking about it yet, Jordan. Like people who are like, "Oh yeah, whatever, I'll fucking figure it out." What yeah, I'm it's next year. Who cares? Yeah, yeah like <laughs> oh, I don't have to solve this problem for two years. Like those are the ones that worry me more. To be honest,
7: just, you know, like, you, you know who's
2: actually it is good.
7: The thing that doesn't, the thing that kind of keeps me sane is, is and, and keeps me sleeping sound at night is that like we have thousands of unit sales on my team and like the vast vast majority are just mom and pops with one or two investment properties and good household income and usually they're like they're spread across time so like one of their investments will be like five five to ten years ago it's cash flowing it's not a concern so it's just like i i don't see a lot of like these 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 lunatics who have bought five and and only have 100K household they income. Think. There but, may well, be you know, more what, of the them than I'm aware of. I have no idea, but they're the
10: only ones that seem to call me. So. <laughs> here's the difference though. Here's the difference. It, they're not condos. A lot of these guys that they're totally screwed, are the ones that bought freeholds. So in mm. Richmond Hill for 2.2. 2. So now Richmond Hill is a little bit of a different story, but these are the guys because the freeholds are getting done much faster. They have to close on them in the next Sooner. six to eight months. Yeah. Mm. So those are the guys that are in trouble. The condo ones, they're praying for delays, which they're going to get and all that stuff. But oh, yeah, they'll get them. But I think the more important question is, and I want to just pivot a little bit here, is Dan had a space on Thursday, and my one the, the takeaway from that space, there was a lot of conviction, at least from some people, or at least it just kind of, it was said, and then it, nobody really challenged it. So I just want to know from the group here, um, it seems reasonable to think that we could be going to 2016 prices. So that means another 25 to 30% down from where we are right now. So I just want to get everybody's thoughts on that, because to me, that's interesting. Nobody challenged it. I'm just kind of curious.
0: Well, we've got Nolan Mathias here, one of the top subscribe to YouTubers in Canada. Welcome, sir. Hi, great time for, for, for you to join. How are you? Hey, Happy thanks for having here? me.
2: I thought he was wearing a Beretta hat for a second there.
12: A Beretta hat. What, that's, is that an Alberta joke? No, it's but it, no,
2: no. it just looked like the logo when it was the thumbnail. I had to blow it up. I was excited. I got, uh,
12: what did I get recently? Canadian Girl Guides. They thought I was trying to hawk Girl Guide cookies. <laughs> <laughs> the black clover hat. Uh, yeah, that's the a, they're doing influencer deals now. I heard the Girl Guides. The Girl yeah, Guides. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's Are you guys so all doing it? It sounds like I got here just at like the most interesting time. Pre-construction and inflation. And I think price uh, forecasting, Price forecasting. I,
2: I'll answer Vas's yeah. question. I, I think it would be, I think in certain areas it wouldn't be unheard of to see drops of that size. Like what's that peak to drop 40% ish. I think no, it's more,
10: it's gotta be more. Yeah.
2: In certain areas. Yeah. I, I mean, look at what happened in 2017. Like the market is not, it, it's able to shed 30 to 40% very quickly. And we just did it again. Like. I think that the next question becomes how long do we stay at 30% reduction in buying power, right? Or borrowing power. And if we stay there for a year, then prices are going to continue to grind down because there's nobody to buy them. Hmm.
10: I I agree. I, I, I agree with you. You know, the, the only thing, like every time I've put sense into these assumptions, I get slapped in the face, just like just betting against Toronto. That's why like mentally my brain is telling me, yeah, got, of course we're going to grind down. But then I still feel there's buyers on the sidelines. I feel that the delta between getting a deal done right now is about five points, maybe 10. If somebody has a house listed for a million bucks and that's market and that's fair market based on most recent comps, there are a ton of buyers ready to close on it at 950. But they just want to front run a discount. At least that's how I feel, based on my small sample size. So people are willing to 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 go for it. It's just they just need to front front run a discount. But 2016 prices, I I guess. I'm not a bull or a bear. I'm just whatever, you know, I'm just trying to use logic here and it's a little bit scary. And just the one anecdote I'll use being in Markham in 2017, when we had a run-up, one of a house down the street from me, a little bungalow, single car garage sold for 1.35 at the absolute peak in 2017. And then the same house two, three years later was 950. And now right now the same house was is 1.4, 1.3. So we're back at it. I can see the grind down there. Or at least in at least in these specific situations. But overall to go back to twenty sixteen, I don't know. I I need somebody to kind of walk it, me the, the well, the it map. doesn't
0: take much. So so here. First of all, let's okay. The the Bank of Canada Federal Reserve, their their job right now, they've put it out there, they have to kill jobs. Like they want to destroy the job market, right? We haven't even seen that yet. Unemployment's so low, it's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't take much to reset the value of a street. Okay. It takes one sale for the comp to now be holy shit, the last one. Everything was selling at 2 million the last one just sold at 1.5 they were desperate so what does this mean now okay we can ignore it but what about the next one that sells really low or what about this area where all these people bought like they were so stupid and the the whole area gets disintegrated like these are things you're going to see developers that are building custom homes that get smoked they were supposed to sell it for 3.2 and they can't even get 2 million for it like these are things that i think they have an effect on, on the local kind of area. Maybe I'm wrong. I was that I, guy in 2000 so, and yeah. Somebody else jump in.
11: Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I would jump in real quick. Cause I got to take off in a sec, but uh, all you, you all have much better sense of where prices are going because you're at sort of that point in the process. I'm more at the the start of the stream when people are getting their entitlements, they're doing the rezoning and stuff. And all I'll say is in in Toronto and the GTA, People are still actively looking to rezone, uh, get additional density on properties. And that's, I think, where a lot of landowners might be looking in the next year. Whether they build or not as soon as they can, that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have a sense of that. But for now, you know, people are interested in upzoning, getting their entitlements, and then see them where they go from there. But anyway, man, thanks for having me. It was nice thanks, to see you. Thanks, I hope everybody thanks, a guys. great new year. new year. Happy New Year. Hey, thanks, Happy Greg. i to send joining. you an
1: email. I want to have a chat next week with you. I got All a property in Scarborough. Okay. Nice, thanks, Chris. So, I year. might,
2: um, I might quickly jump in on uh, on Bass as an example. There, I don't um, like. I guess the question is, were are the the buyer that you're referring to? Are they willing to pay nine fifty? Like, are they a price floor, or are they willing to pay ninety five percent of asking price? Because I think that, like, it, it's very easy to see how a race to the bottom happens when now all of a sudden that seller is willing to accept nine fifty publicly on their listing price. And now your buyer is actually willing. You know, it turns out they're actually willing to pay nine hundred, right? Well,
10: well, I think that's the standoff we have. Like deals are not closing because of this little delta. And these are mostly end users. Like there's no investors right now, at least as far as I see on the residential side, trying to buy anything. But let's say you're a capitalized good family, you're looking to buy a detached in one for one point four. You're going to pay 1.35 for it, but the seller is not willing to give it because they have the comps to say that it is 1.4 all day long based on everybody else. So everybody, it's just a standoff. For now. For
2: now. And I think that, you know, like that's your bid ask table if you're to examine it like a stock market, right? Like you're, you're, you know, in in February, like we we bounced down from 120% of asking price in February to 98% of asking price. And then we kind of like have been between 98 and 100% of asking price on TREB. So you're at a point where the market, it's, we know that the market is demanding that houses sell for less on asking price. Don't put price completely aside. So we, I think that the bid is right now is below what the asking price is. And sellers are refusing to price discover. Buyers can price discover very easily. They don't have to do anything. All they have to do is be willing to pay less money. Sellers have to go and get a price oh, reduction. They have to have a painful conversation with their realtor. They have to you know, debate about it. They take their house off the market, whatever it is. And so... The price discovery, we're at the point where this is where like, when I talk about it being a grind down, it takes a lot longer for prices to continue following from here because sellers are the ones who are trying to hang on to that price control, even though we're in a buyer's market where buyers do dictate prices.
0: What are we seeing for mortgage originations and refinancing and applications from your end, Noah?
12: Yeah, I mean... End of one on this, but our our applications between Christmas and New Year's were as high as they were last year, which is, I mean, that Uh could be Alberta, that could be nationwide. I didn't look at where they were coming from, but it seems like like there's still buyers and there's always stage of life people that are going to be purchasing anyways in some way, shape or form um so you have to you have to consider that like there's the people that are going to have the babies like uh tom story that are going to want a bigger house there's the people that are going to be downsizing there's always going to be people moving it's just a question of how much and i think we used a lot of the uh a lot of the the activity from the future and moved it into 2021 and 2022 but that doesn't mean that there'll be zero activity to answer that question about with respect to housing prices um and and a 40% peak to trough you have to remember that we have a 20% headwind just on qualifying rate alone so the stress test and then we've got a 40% headwind on uh on the actual interest rates themselves so if nothing else changed then yeah you should you should expect just from a, all else being equal a 40% reduction in in housing prices just on the interest rates alone yeah. now of course that's only looking at interest rates. If you look at incomes, if you look at inflation, if you look at all the other things in in the economy, there's going to be multipliers in both directions. And then the question is how much are the multipliers in both directions and and do we end up being worse off than that, or do we end up being slightly better than that? But I think, you know there's there's I think you can be pretty sure that we're going to see a little bit more housing price reduction from where we're at right now. It's going to go down at least some more from where, where right now is.
3: I think there's a, uh, a couple let's... things, just a couple of things to always keep in mind back to vassal's comment is it's, it's a very regional market, mm-hmm. you know, like we have to look at real right. estate so regionally and we get too caught up in looking at national numbers and averages and wage averages and pro- we got to get really focused. So, you know, Nolan knows Alberta, you know, like I know Alberta. And and so when we look at the western provinces, and I'm talking Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. And I know Manitoba and Saskatchewan are low population, so they don't ever seem to work into the calculation. But I'm I'm looking at it from an investor point of view, saying that number one, what drives an economy is jobs. And all three of those provinces have a, a lot of jobs driven by oil, agriculture, fertilizer, commodities, like so those are healthy very healthy economies. And so although we may see, you know, some flatlining, it goes back to what's your strategy, you can still buy for cash flow in Alberta, and in, and in, 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 in there's probably not any, I, what I call major city, you know, you look at Edmonton, Calgary, I'd avoid like, personally, I'd avoid a Grand Prairie, for example, but I'd be very interested in a Lethbridge or a, you know, even a Medicine Hat because Jobs and jobs is what drives that population growth, that inter that interprovincial migration and migration. We've got Ukraine refugees coming in, and they're pouring in primarily to Alberta because that's where their culture lives, and Saskatchewan. And so, those are all things that are going to continue to drive the demand for housing. And as long as people are working, you're good. Now, I'm going to say one other thing, and this goes back to the unemployment, low unemployment, and the Bank of Canada want to bring bring it up. This unemployment is not healthy. Full stop. I agree with Tiff Macklin. We need to bring it up. Like I say, I've been in business 40 years. I've been through the Alberta. I've been through so many cycles and this is not healthy. It's not healthy for employers and it's not healthy for employees, not knowing who's going to show up at the job, being short staffed, working over all those things are not healthy. What we're going to see is a lot of headlines and we can only hope, and this is me personally, I only because I've got other businesses. I only hope that unemployment goes to about 6%. It's so healthy. It's such a great market. People come, they go, you're not being held hostage as an employer. Employees feel like they could go out and find a better job if they're looking, but they're not being drawn for, you know, a a buck an hour kind of thing. So these are all things that when we look at what's happening economically, we have to consider how it impacts housing. And so regionally, I think Western provinces are going to do quite well. I think Ontario is going to struggle back and forth and having all these questions that you guys are asking because it is that uncertain and it's our major city so them in vancouver of course so I mean, a little bit long i think funded,
2: a, a big a piece the employment work. piece too is just trying to avoid a wage price spiral right because you can't take that out of that's the type of
3: inflation that you can't take out of the economy yeah. Dan that's so true. That's why
0: they have to kill it so speaking you said you mentioned the word strategy and so I I want to turn to Mr. Jeremiah Shamus here happy new year sir thanks for joining us you're welcome welcome. if you I don't know if you when you see this you guys may not see it but we have like a row of people with no beards Donna you're one of them and then everybody else has a beard underneath us so welcome to the beard level uh thank you what, what 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 he, Patrick mentioned strategy uh, like, do you notice in the development space, are any developers, land developers thinking different strategies right now? Are they looking at different products than they would have looked at over the last few years?
13: Uh, <clears throat> no, not really. It's more so just how they're structuring deals. Like everything's changed in terms of buying, but the product type hasn't changed i mean you just have a few specialized buyers who are doing you know specifically different types of products like you know north drive which is doing high luxury stuff and they're still launching but other than that it hasn't really changed on the strategy side it's more so the buying the structuring of the deals because everyone right now believes i mean like everyone we're going to be in a world of pain for two years and so everyone's buying unzoned land and no one wants to launch next year. So I think you're going to have record right. low launches next
0: year.
1: <clears throat> so people are still buying though, is what you're saying?
0: Yeah. And so what what are the prices yeah, doing on the buy and on land right now? Are they stable? Are it's, they dropping? It's all structured deals. I mean, like we just closed two deals
13: the end of this year. One to a private, um, not from Canada, but living in Canada type, developer, investor, and then another institution, a name you guys would recognize, and they both are structuring basically the same type of deal. So one was a very large VTB, um, a first and a second structured, different timing, different rates. And (laughs) the the other one was uh, they had locked in some, some rates quite a bit of time ago, I guess you could say. And they were originally, I think it was bankers acceptance, 200 plus 240 basis points. So, you know, like, and there was like a year closing on after they waived their condition. So that's not typical. What you're seeing typically now is, and I always joke because I had my team, I made hats for my team that says, make the seller financing great again, make seller financing great again, because it's all (laughs) we deal with. It's, uh, It's like, there's no, no one wants to do debt anymore, and if you are doing debt, it's at fifty-five percent loan to value on the land value that is very, very reasonable, and no future value, as your tweet mentioned a little while ago, Daryl. So right now, everyone's looking for structure, and the best. Developers- trans-
1: translate that. Translate that to okay. so the price well, is, is is not. Well, what that's the what I'm saying are is, for aren't all based of these, on these other VTB
0: deals? But, but all of this is just to hold the price. No, at at a at a well, particular not really. Value. No,
13: prices you know prices come down twenty percent.
0: They have like
13: everywhere, everywhere. Land prices come down twenty percent. In fact, I'm working on a like what I would call like one of the largest deals in the downtown core right now, and you know the price will hold uh, probably even differently. So, like there's there are a lot of pricing changes happening right now. The floor is being set differently. And for anyone who wants to keep their price high, they're doing very high leverage. Like I had a vendor tell me he'd do 100% VTB, right? Like 100% seller financing,
0: right? To keep the price, price, right? Yeah. Okay. So oh, like crazy.
1: <laughs>
13: yeah, and then we just put another one under contract, 75% uh, vendor financing, and you don't see a lot of that ever because similar to the employment sector, you have not had leverage as a buyer. Now, as a buyer, you have leverage in your negotiation. So similar to, um, I'm not sure who it was, but was mentioning, they think that the employment, the employment world is going to move back towards the employer having a bit of leverage. That's what's happened in the land market. It's what's happened in the industrial building sales. um, Same with apartment building sales, same thing. Like, I'll give you an example. Last year in Q Q4 of 2021 there was 70 apartment sales. This year there was 15. So uh, <laughs> So like How many
0: units like, total do you know?
13: Like this is anything that is uh th- 5 units and up. Huh. So, so I, know, I, I've just, got, I just I've sold got a, conditional a sale. unit building on transit and we were actually pretty reasonable on price you know we were asking 300 a door um in last year's market you could ask 400 a door so the market has come down substantially and because of that no That's one's willing big. to sell Great. so you have a, effectively the volume of apartment building sales dropped about 90% over the last two quarters and so it's the i always say it's the most sensitive asset class to interest rates because the spread between the bond or the debt rather And you're going in cap rate, you're going in yield is is the tightest of any asset class. So that's a really good understanding of how you see the market has changed on pricing, because like you said, Daryl, like people aren't willing to drop their price. And the same thing happened on industrial properties. The only difference with industrial buildings is that sub thirty thousand square feet space is um, users. So you still have users who are looking for utility. I mean, similar to what you're dealing with in the residential home space. If someone has to buy a house, and they need to live there, and they're just going to buy it no matter what, and they can't, they can't rent something, what they're looking for, they're still going to buy, right? So if that happens in the commercial space when for utility, and that's basically mostly office buildings and industrial buildings. Um, uh, but- the,
1: six, the 60 unit, Jeremiah, so were they not willing to do any favorable terms? Like were they not no. willing or able?
13: They weren't able to because it was an estate situation. So they had to sell it off. But, you know, it was a beautiful building. It was taken well taken care of. And they just said, you know, what is our price today? And so we went out with a very high asking price. um, And we said we encouraged everyone to just bring us offers. And we did this as a strategy to say, like I told the vendor, I said, listen, we don't really know what it's worth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we can guess. And you know, luckily, we guessed um, around 285 a door, and we ended up selling it for 305 a door. So you know, we hit above our expectations. But the only reason we hit above our expectations is because this was, you know, best in class building, very you know, well taken care of. These type of buildings didn't come up very often. So you still had what I call generational money looking to invest into it, but it still had to make sense,
0: right? So would you a lot you of cash three. no a lot of cash
13: yeah it would be an all cash buy even though Gosh. eventually they put debt on it so
1: would you nail yeah, down a cap rate right now like AAA location in toronto on a, a multifamily would you say cap rates are six seven percent would you be able to quantify no, that oh no, there I no mean there's
13: still there's
1: four percent
13: okay they're four percent triple location
0: four percent triple is four percent
13: yeah and that's again it's again <laughs> I know it doesn't really make sense, but if you look in the previous market, the caps were two and a half, two, seven, five, Yeah, right? So are we leading towards a different market? I'm not sure. Like I I always like to use Manhattan as a very similar market to ours, just because Manhattan from 1904 to 1978, it had very similar immigration policies. So 1904 to 1978, you had on average 70,000 people moving to the city per year and then in toronto you know we have conversely about 100,000 per se and so manhattan had a market where you know there's a lot of housing need there was a lot of commercial need it had a market where a lot of investment sales like commercial building sales and land kind of drove the market so in the same way manhattan had cap rates at around 2 to 3% and when they had some changes in their market their market is now at like 5 to 6 caps for apartment buildings they're i mean a disaster they're,
0: now though aren't they
13: it's a disaster yeah and it has <laughs> it does have a lot to do with the policy for um uh, rent control there it's gone extremely liberal uh they protect uh, the unit whereas we protect um or sorry they protect the renter we protect the unit i guess it is um and so they've had a, a substantial change in value in their apartment buildings so um you know the caps have gotten quite a bit higher but the per unit numbers are still low or still high so in the same way will toronto's market move like that i'm not sure you know there's just not a, you see it in the volume now you know we had 15 apartment building sales in the last quarter you know com- conversely to 10 70 in 2021 and 2021 was the highest year we had for apartment building sales on record it was uh, almost 3 billion and 200 transactions So, um, will that change? Yeah, I think, I think it'll change substantially, but the volume has been sucked out. So there's, there's a lot less buyers in that market. There's a lot less people who actually want to do anything. Welcome to
0: 2023. 2023 (laughs) looks like. (laughs) Here we go. So, so, I mean, we can't get a better brain trust than we've had on the show today, TK, can we? I mean,
1: I, I I don't know. Do you have like a something up your sleeve? Is there. Well, I'm just saying, I mean,
0: I don't feel <laughs> I like
1: I'm, well,
0: I think we definitely nailed it, but I don't feel like anybody knows what's going to happen next year. I mean, I think everybody's just kind of bracing for impact, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I we don't, but, it but it's
13: stupid but, to make predictions because we've all, like, is there anyone here who's over the age of 50? Like, sorry, I don't, you don't have to answer that, but no, like I, not anymore.
0: God, no, no, not anymore.
13: Exactly. So I just say, like, we've never been through a market cycle like this. We don't know what's going to happen. All the old guys that I'm talking to, old guys and girls, they're scared. They're telling me that, that, like, the volume's going to drop out. People are going to get very sensitive on price, and then the credit will dry up, and then you'll have a very slow trough where people do nothing, and then eventually, a lot of the bad debt, the bad, you know, workouts will get moved through the market. It'll get dealt with. And then people will say, okay, well, nothing's really changed. We're good. We'll start buying again. And it'll slowly come up. So, I mean, that's what they're saying. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I just keep saying, everyone I know keeps saying, next year, there's going to be a recession. I don't know if there's going to be a recession. I think there might be a slowdown. But if there's not a recession, does that mean that our bank doesn't pivot? And in that sense, does it mean that things get moved out? And so, I think that the private markets for um, commercial real estate specifically are going to be a lot slower to change. So I think in 2024, 2025, that's when you're going to have substantial change in the commercial markets. But yesterday, Daniel and I actually were speaking to a very experienced person who he said the residential markets will go first. They're the first markets where you'll see pain and then you'll see the commercial markets. But the private markets work a lot slower than equities. Because remember the real estate, the real estate market, you know, this private kind of illiquid market, in a sense, compared to equities, equities is a market where the stock market does something first, and then the economy shows it much later on, because it's so sensitive, it, it happens immediately.
0: So predictive.
13: Yeah. That's so
1: sounds like a prediction to me, Jeremiah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey?
13: That's if I was, it's fun to make predictions because it's, you know, it keeps you intellectually honest and you have to back it up in some sense, but of course we, I have no clue. Yeah. I have no clue. So I'm just saying factually what a lot of the experienced people I've been speaking to who you know, were actually trading real estate in the eighties, we're talking guys in their seventies. Um, this is what they're telling me they think might happen. Now, whether or not that happens, I just think one thing is true. It's going to be a lot slower to happen than we think it is, especially when you look on like, I don't know, Twitter, you know, think people think the world's ending next year.
0: Well, so Nolan, you have a partner, don't you? That's uh, older than you. I don't know why I think that maybe I'm totally wrong, but uh, maybe you have a mentor. Like, what do you think's coming this year? I don't know why I thought Mm. that. I, I saw an article. No,
12: no partner, but, um, uh, you, you know, I, I think the real question is what's the next big surprise. And that's, and that's the answer to the prediction question is whenever we find out what the surprise is, is oh, uh, whenever we find out the what the surprise is, that's how we're going to be able to determine what's going to happen in the market. Right. And I think as far as like, you know, I, I had dinner with my dad who is a realtor. He's 78 years old last night. And, and, you know, he's never seen markets like what we're going into right now. Like nobody's. The precedent that the pandemic set is a precedent that, you know, we've, you go back to my grandparents and and they maybe might've seen something like what we're seeing right now in the, in the 1920s with respect to the amount of cash that was injected into the economy. But I mean, it, it really comes down to what's the next big surprise and nobody really knows what that is, but you know, it could be positive. It could be negative, but it's going to hit all of us upside the head and none of us really have a clue what's going to happen. Right.
1: And we've seen the government sort of react in ways that they haven't before either, right? Which is mm-hmm. also that one sort of variable, right? Yeah. If all of a sudden they decide that they want to bail everybody out, they seem to have the stick to to wag to do that, yeah. right?
12: Totally. So I mean, this is, I think, one of those first times in history where you can make a case for both arguments. Any one of us can make a case for both sides of the whole thing's going to crash or it's going to get significantly better. And you really have no clue which one's going to be correct. But all of us, like logically, could probably sit here and go, here's why it's gonna here's why the numbers are gonna stay where they're at, and here's why it's gonna go down forty percent. The question at this point in time, it's like we really have no idea. and mm-hmm. I think uh, I think it's interesting. I think Jeremiah has got some really really interesting and some really awesome insights on that that uh, I think everything he said prior to me from a perspective standpoint is is pretty bang on like. We we really don't know what's what's going to happen, and the best thing we can do is just look to the past and hope that nothing nothing awful happens. Prepare for it. I
1: mean, that's what it is. is that our, as professionals, we're all here. You know, we've got businesses. We have to make decisions. We have to look at best case, worst case scenarios. We have to advise people on their situation. We have to be able to walk them through an, an unfamiliar territory and be able to give them the best advice we can, which is you know yeah. what they've asked us to do. And so having all this information is, is important. People watching the show, listening, all the channels and social medias that you guys all have. This is how people, you know, better inform themselves because nobody does have the crystal ball. It's, it's all, it's well known. Um, just making those decisions and guiding people, uh, you know, hopefully what comes out of this is, is better guidance, you know, and, and better decisions, right? Because I think we've seen some really poor guidance and poor decisions made over the last two years. And um, that's, it's probably what led us here in the first place. Yeah. And that's,
12: I mean, that's probably the best advice right there is like, how do you, how do you backstop yourself against the worst case scenario? And, and this is for like individuals, companies, whatever. How do you backstop yourself against the worst case scenario and be prepared for what could be the best case scenario all at the same time?
0: Pre-con hmm. baby. Pre-con. Oof. Right, Jordan?
1: Uh, <laughs> no,
9: but seriously.
0: Know, man. Calgary. Yeah, Pre-con yeah, yeah. Calgary. I'll devast-
1: represent you. Yeah. No problem. I know everything about Calgary. Never been there. What are you going to
12: do
0: for the next few months?
12: No, 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 no. See, here's Calgary's the reason why, like, you, like, and sorry, Jordan, the pre con thing. If you lived in Calgary between 2006 and 2018, and you bought or you were aware of pre con, we were all just sitting here watching people in Ontario and BC going, What are they doing? Because (laughs) we had those market shifts up and down where we saw, like, the number of people I had crying on the phone or in person between 2006 and 2018 who had bought pre-construction in what was a flat market or a, or a market that was slightly going down was huge. And, you know, it was just one of those things, like because of that experience that we had lived in Alberta, we, we could kind of see it. And I, I mean, I put out YouTube videos in 2021 where I was like, don't buy a pre-construction, that's speculation. And I get jumped on. Right. But it, People have to go through that themselves to know that you know it was it's something that's possible. Pre constructions don't always go up in value, right?
7: Are you, Yeah, yeah. Look, I I'm one of the few pre con agents in Toronto right. who didn't push Calgary over the past two years, and I'm pretty happy for that because there's a there's a noteworthy project closing now, and appraisals aren't coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I'll tell you, I I by not by not selling Calgary, I left millions and millions on the table. Right. Yeah. Because, because I have tons of clients who have called me and said, Hey, I'm buying a pre-con in Calgary. I saw a bunch of email blasts, a flow positive, you know, 8% appreciation a year. It makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> like, can you sell me a unit there? And it's like, no, unfortunately I can't, I don't really work w- with, I mean, there's one builder I work with in Toronto that builds a lot in Calgary. So other through there, sure. But through, through most of the builders in Calgary, no, I can't, can't help you. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting to watch in real time. Like right now, projects that are launching in Toronto are struggling it's a grind to hit their sales targets but it, but if you uh, are they you hitting them here in, sorry are they hitting them here i don't know it depends on the project like you, you look at a project they like ended, Forma right, right? at 2000 bucks a foot and Forma Forma sold what they needed to sell and 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 Theater Park is right next door at you know $1, 13 1400 a foot all day long so that was a, a surprise to me so sometimes even as somebody who sells pre-con full time like sometimes consumers right. Shock me, and right now one of the things I'm seeing is, you know, it's really hard for me to sell stuff in etobicoke at 1,200 a foot, but it's um very easy for some of my colleagues to sell stuff in Calgary at 800 a foot. So it's, it's yeah. very interesting to watch the capital pour from Toronto into Calgary through this downturn.
12: Well, and they've but shifted their tactics, right? Like
7: Elm,
13: wasn't there? There's a project right downtown Toronto that sold extremely well.
0: Sure, Young Street. Yeah, yeah, Elm did really, really well. Sure. Now. But they, oh. they they'll probably be okay. When is that thing gonna close? That's like seventy stories. Like that thing won't be built for twenty years. I, I think right you'll now. be getting
1: a lot longer uh, closings now. They'll be like, all right, twenty thirty one. The best project downtown yeah. is being launched. Hundred percent. We've got fifteen hundred worksheets. you know?
0: All the developers are gonna be lenders soon.
7: Yeah, it's That's also a testament a real to my point. Zero percent deposit. Um. 8elm and and forma are testament to my point earlier about like it's it's funny that you know a lot of people think that price is their primary consideration when they're buying pre-con but truthfully like they just want to feel like they got something other people couldn't because um you know you, you look at a project like pinnacle uh sky tower right 95 stories young and and um and queen's key there and uh they had they recently did a price increase but Around the same time as Forma and Eight Elm were launching, they had units all kinds of one and dens at at fourteen hundred a square foot, which is only a hundred dollars a square foot more than resale trades at Harbor Plaza and at 10 York. Yet those units sat there while people ate up two thousand bucks a foot at eight elm and, and and forma. So again, it just goes Is that to show what eight elm went for? Close to it, like 1750 to 1850. Yeah. Depending on the size of the unit. It depended a lot on the size of the unit. Um, but, uh, like just the really small stuff. But anyways, the the point I'm making is just like, you know, the pre-con market is anything but rational. Um, and at least for the last few years, it's been like that. So where do we go from here, Vaz?
0: What's next? What are you, what are you worried about next year? And what are you excited for next year?
10: Well, like I said, from the Twitter space, I was a little bit taken back that we're going to 2016 prices. So I reserve judgment. I've, uh, when I've used logic against the city of Toronto, I've been punched in the face every single time when I've thought it's going to go down. So I'm just going to leave you with, this is my most comprehensive, I don't know. So I'm obviously, <laughs> look, I'm actually a little bit bullish, low key bullish, but I am concerned. And I think Nolan made a good point. Like I'm preparing, I so I bought in 21 personally. In, 22, in 2022, I also bought, but I backed out. And thankfully the guy let me off the hook. It was off market. So that saved me because I would have probably lost my shirt. And in 2023, I want to buy again. But I will kind of rotate out of some assets and to go into something else. And it has more to do with Bill 23 than anything. Um, Sorry? What are you buying? No, this is just personal. So this is personal, like residential stuff. So I want to kind of see... You're buying houses, okay. Yeah, houses. So what I'm thinking now is what this uh mtsa thing with bill 23 like the major transportation stations if you're within x amount of space let's say if you pick up something that's r1 zone what can you do with it we we don't know yet but this is kind of what i'm thinking so let's say do i unload a condo downtown to get into something like that to maybe capitalize on the future i don't know right so low-key that's what i'm thinking but i am concerned right i mean if we have what abe calls the duration of these rates for the next two years let's say um it's not going to be pretty man
0: Jordan, you you smirk, but do you think that we're gonna see a reversal?
7: No, I'm kind of indifferent to be honest. I'm done predicting. Um, like I'm really indifferent where the market goes. People on Twitter are always giving me shit. They're telling me I'm going to be in the bread lines, but like <laughs> the truth is, I live on ten percent. I live on about eleven percent of my income, so I'm not overly <laughs> concerned with what the market does. Um, but I but I will say, like I I really feel for it, like. If the assignment market is any leading indicator, then I then I'm that I'm actually quite bearish, um, at least for the next year, because the I, the the amount of pain I'm seeing in the assignment market is is really something else, and the lack of liquidity that like there's just it's really hard to unload assignments at 2018 pre-con pricing right now, and that kind of scares me. Like I have people who are selling their units for what they purchased them for in 2018, and it's and it's hard to find a bid on those. And do these people Part of have is,
0: one, or are they like they have multiple that they're well, trying usually to they order. have one. Like, When's the closing?
7: Uh like now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So that's, that's like- the problem is is nobody really wants to close right now. Yeah. Sure. Um, like I, I like I'll have buyers who tell me they're looking for a deal and I show them something that's a 2018 purchase. I'm like, after commissions, this individual is losing money on this deal. It's you know fifty to seventy thousand dollars cheaper than a resale unit in the building across the street. So you you're front running a bit of a discount here. And they'll tell me, well, do you have anything closing in three years? And I'm like, well, yeah, I do, but you're gonna pay more than resale. You're not getting a deal on that type of product, right? So they want to have their cake and eat it too. It's really hard to satisfy investors right now. Very, very difficult. Hmm. Yeah, listen, right I,
0: there. I look, I I I want to not be buying, and I have something tied up, and then part of me is like, oh <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, this is Darryl, scary. what
13: do you, you buy, Daryl? You buying income or you buying developer land?
0: No, it's a great development site in one of these MTSA's that Vaz is talking about. Like, it's a brilliant play, but I'm afraid to like finance the thing for a few years. That's fair.
13: I'm inve- I'm investing one too. I'm I'm putting some money into a land assembly near an MTSA with a developer I know. But so I mean, I like. I think the world's going to end, but I also think that it's going to continue at well- some point.
0: That's the thing is like, I'm just like going, okay, just stick to the plan. Just stick to the plan. Keep going. And I'm like, holy fuck. Maybe this is another stupid Frankfurt plan here. What the hell is going to come from this? I don't know. Cause it's all going to be about timing right now. Right. And at least I've been working on this one for a while. So like my sellers are not really um, in tune with the current marketplace, right? Like they think it's still old pricing. So
13: I, I, I tell people to then sit and wait, (laughs) like realistically, you know, there should be some discount to last year. It just, it's just the way it is. Like we were in, when you look at the amount of money pumped into the market, it kind of makes sense, right? There was like what, $14 trillion pumped into the markets around the world. Like you have, you have effectively the different types of asset bubbles have come down have taken that cash out sure. like the crypto market was yeah. like four tr- you know four trillion or something taken out of the stock market was like three i trillion. just saw
0: i just saw a tweet somebody put up i think it was like 18 trillion dollars has been taken out of the market this year
13: yeah and that's yeah and that's kind of realistically where the market need to go
0: they which to means that everything up. that went in cool. is out and rates are seven billion times higher and I think, is there anybody on this panel that doesn't think we're going to get at least one more increase next year? Anyone? Jordan? No. So everybody thinks it's still going up. They've taken out 18 trillion. Unemployment is still like, what is it? Under 2%? Some fucking scary, stupid number. Yeah. But
13: Daryl, I always, I always, I always fight this number. I don't think the unemployment is as low as you think it is because the the way that they they trend that data or they track that data rather is quite different than Bro, if you
0: saw my roofing crew, you'd think it was even lower that number, because I guarantee you those guys are not on any list anywhere and that there there's the reverse of that like i'm no no number makes sense but you can see just out there like my daughter went in to get a job she left the place with the job along with five other people you see people getting like 20 grand more to just move to this other company like it's crazy still right now
13: but that's my point is that there's there's more jobs everywhere because there's all kinds of little ways to make cash Right. right. So you have people like Jordan knows this better than most. I mean, you have people who are making money off of any kind of, of online platform. So, the, sure. so you know, they, they're not in the labor pool, so they don't need to get a job. Right. They're not actually out there looking. So I think the numbers are completely skewed. Like I'm in Hawaii right now and my little with my little brother, And my brother's friend from LA and the one fellow, he runs an influencer management company and he's got a hundred different influencers and like 50 of them make over a million a year. Like we're talking like one one girl is telling me that um, she makes $120,000 just from one fashion company to post per year. And that's just one company like these are like this, the world of employment has completely changed. And you can make money anywhere because you have access to employment anywhere, right? So you can pull in from any kind of labor pool across the world. So I don't think the labor numbers are as correctly, you know, I guess, defining what our market is doing today because it's not going to actually matter. And that's why there's so much money anywhere, everywhere. Is because you can pull little bits amount of money from everywhere so until you have like mass chaos across the entire world i don't think those numbers are going to change and so well, Tiff and this all, isn't TIF mass say, chaos
0: what does mass chaos around the world look like if this is well, not that's certain, the thing like that's
13: you know that's like great depression era stuff which i don't mm-hmm. think is going to happen and i hope it isn't going to happen so in other words like tiff is looking for pain i don't think i think he'll see some pain But it's not going to be on the records that the great financial crisis had because there's not enough people in the labor pool actually being part of the data set because they're out there, you know, like the Jordans of the world. They're putting, you know, content out and they're able to make money off YouTube off I don't know off all kinds of different platforms, right? It's not so, even
7: just—it's not even just the content creators. There's a whole market on the back of that of just oh people who God. eyeball arbitrarily. Like I—I I know so many young people in their twenties that are just like social media managers, and they have ten clients, right? And or they're or they're Facebook ad managers or Google ad managers, and they're not even that good at Google ads, but they're making you know quarter million dollars a year. Like there's tons and tons and tons of it's crazy. It's a, its wild out there. I, I couldn't. Agree more and that's why i think the numbers
13: that the economists are looking at that the bank is looking at they're not reflective of what is actually going on and not actually in a a bad way actually in a good way like i just think there's not enough people in the labor pool who are doing exactly what uh you know the fed is saying they're doing and then on top of that you have i mean the market has changed substantially but you have cryptocurrencies creating a a secondary form of capital that was not being tracked by the different tax agencies, right? So you have all kinds of different employment that are getting, that have access to labor pools across the, you know, the globe. You have cryptocurrencies, which are not being tracked by the tax agencies as closely. So you have all kinds of like noise in the employment sector. So what happens is that the fed and the BOC And these different, you know, uh, and these different monetary, uh, um, central monetary banks are trying to look at the policy and say, well, wait a second, like these things are sticky, they're not changing, they're not changing, right? So I think, well, eventually they will change, you know, eventually they will have some movement for sure, but I just don't think it'll be on the levels of great financial crisis, even. And on top of that, they'll have to be very sensitive, like if they see things move 2%, then that'll probably be, you know, indicative of a much larger move across the globe than it would be in the past, right? So in other words, all I'm trying to say is that I think the market has changed, there is a shift in the way that investors look at things that economists look at things. We are in a paradigm shift for the next, you know, kind of iteration of what our global economy is going to be. And that means that the governments, you know, they control a lot more of the policy and that there is more global outflows of, of capital, um, meaning that people can make money across the globe, which changes the way that policies change. And then therefore, you know, change the way people live and work and play and eat. And so I just think, and and that's why, you know, Vasily is very correct. Like we can't make prediction because the economy is so complex now so you can make crazy. minutia of predictions maybe in like you know regional basis but yeah but than- then
0: something major comes and like destroys the whole argument like we exactly i'm telling you like me jordan tk and uh foch we did a show uh about evergrande like a year and a bit ago right and we had Like such a great discussion and it made so much sense and we made some great predictions like looking back but then hey throw like a war in the middle of that thing and boom like the whole model explodes right and so there's so many looming things out there I think Patrick was saying it before and we've said it before like there's so many different things that are getting thrown or potentially thrown into this crazy stew right now that, yeah, you can make a prediction, but like good fucking luck. But so how do you navigate and how do you invest and how do you borrow and lever and buy into the future of this thing? Like
13: that's, that's a very good point. And like something that my clients ask me all the time on the commercial side of things. And I quite literally, what I've been telling everyone from day one to begin with, you have to have prudent underwriting. You have to understand what can I control in the property, right? So if you buy a property, you don't buy it hoping it to go up in value, you buy it because you know you can increase the value. So that means quite frankly, you're buying something and you're fixing it up, you're adding a tenant, you know, you're know, you adding efficiencies, efficiencies to the bottom line, uh, you're creating entitlements, like I think, in the next stage of investment, it's going to be those who do and do prudently, and I think that's a healthy market. It's really good, because like you know, for a lot of those on the call today, it means that you have to put in real work to get out outcome, and you have to have incentive to do so. Of course, but it means that the world of speculation is ending, and I think that's a good thing for a market because it it incentivizes greed. Because it incentivizes someone trying to to take advantage of a market that they don't control, but that the market is going to give them money, right? So in fact, you have everyday investors, like, you know, everyone I know is like, oh, you know, I'm buying a house, I'm going to flip it or something like, and they're just buying it and hoping it's going to go up in value. Mm -hmm. And so I think the next iteration of our market is going to be a lot of CapEx coming in to improve your market. A lot of people who can add something by putting in a tenant, creating efficiencies in the NOI, it's real work is gonna have outcome for incentive. And I think that's the way the market should work. If you put something in, you should get something out of it. If you put hard work in, and I think that's the best way to look into the future is, hey, I need to control the next 24 to 36 months of my cash flow, And I need to control what my debt service is gonna be. I have to have insight into that you know, and I have to underwrite prudently. And then I have to know what can I control to add value into the property, whether it's commercial or whether it's residential. Um, I think that's extremely important. Control what you know.
0: So we're gonna, we've been talking for a couple hours now. This has been so fantastic, guys. Really appreciate everybody's time. I wanna ask one last question. And let TK, TK, what do you got going on?
1: We're good. We're good. We're wrapping we're it good. up. So, we're yeah.
0: wrapping it up, baby. So, yeah. if somebody had money, they're sitting on the sidelines right now and they wanted to invest, not a lot of money, like 50 grand, 100 grand, where's the opportunity in 2023?
7: Assignment sales. <laughs> Assignment sales. Put somebody out of and you got borrow with 100 DM grand.
0: Me. You got to borrow against that. Now you've f- Now, who's got ratios with a house and like to buy an investment property right now? everybody still the uber I don't know. drivers see, uh, my
7: client it seems like a lot of people i don't know selection bias i guess but to me like what i see is a lot of people
1: mm. lots of room i think it's there's not- actually some
7: opportunity with private
10: lending right now on specific private assets lending. within the city of toronto to be honest with you like that's what i was thinking you can get 12 15 points in some cases on something honestly i wouldn't mind taking over not that you would do it like that but i would feel comfortable so but I, I don't know. I'm not in that, in that space and um, seeing what some people are going through right now, trying to get their money out and having trouble doing it. There's some risk, but like, I mean, 50 to hundred grand right now, there's not much you can do. Like, I mean, just kind of sit back and wait, I guess. We've well, talked Scott-
1: about this before, actually, with condos and, and why people buy condos, because they're all individual investors and how the developers, you know, each one of those um, investors just share their pool of the expense. I think what should go back and it's kind of everything that everyone's been talking about boils down to the same thing is that the people who have been investing over the last two years shouldn't have been, they didn't have the knowledge. And I think that people should be teaming up with experience. I think there's people out there who are full-time investors that I meet all the time who are just, they're great at their job. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. They're developers full-time. They're multifamily apartment building owners. You know, they know how to reposition assets better than anyone because they've invested in the time and knowledge. And I think, you know, having mom and pop investors invest in guys like that is going to be a safe investment because they have tried and true methods and, and that they're going to be able to bring everyone through. They have the highest chance of bringing everyone through this because buying an assignment, buying a house, buying a condo, buying a a duplex, like all those things are going to come with a higher degree of risk risk today than they have in, in a long time. And I think that, you know, you get somebody who's got more experience, who's really understanding the markets who knows how to negotiate the deals um, and you're just throwing in whether it be private lending or anything else like that, you can be throwing your hat in. You know, Jeremiah's talking about a land deal. Daryl's talking about land deals. I think they're out there. and uh, with the right team, I think that there's gonna be people making money and pass the buck on to somebody who's doing it full time. So I right. would Do you guys have any list. good deals to put to put money into, let me know. Um, I, I, I think
13: if someone has fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, depending on whether they're an accredited investor or not, I think they should invest in with specialist like you look and this isn't common in Canada, but it's very common in the U S the GPLP model. That means that a general partner who is a specialist, who is an operator, they go and they buy a certain type of real estate and they're raising money through an LP, a limited partnership. And so you as an investor can put money into this limited partnership, which is protecting you from any kind of liability. And then you get a set return you pay that gp generally management fees and a disproportionate um, uh, profit share to do good work so you're aligned but that is something where i would put my money and i would concentrate on specialists who have a track record like i'll give you a good example there's a guy in texas who is strictly investing in class b industrial and he's been hitting 20 to 30 percent irrs sometimes higher uh, for a long time. He has a very good track record. So that's someone who you can put $50,000 in, and you can turn your $50,000 into $100,000, in and effectively, you know, four years, right? So um, I mean, that's just based on his past track record, it could change, but it but he's been only buying Class B Industrial in the Texas area. So he knows it better than anyone. And he knows like I'm gonna buy a building that's undervalued. I'm gonna add in a tenant. The tenant's gonna pay rent that's higher than the owner thought was possible, or I'm just gonna find a tenant for a vacant building and I'm gonna underwrite, you know, prudently. There's another example, a guy who only buys uh, strip centers on the California coast and on the New York coast. And he buys strip centers that don't have any tenancies and their vacancies in them, and he puts tenants into them. So he stabilizes them with cash flow. he's been hitting consistent 20 to 25 percent returns so like there are lots of examples of great operators Um, you do have to be an accredited investor but these are the types of people you can put 50 to 100 thousand dollars and invest with them and you can make you know at least 10 if if not 20 percent returns on some of these operators because they're very good at what they do and they're specialists whereas you know we in Canada we 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 solely look at the residential home. We look at the condo, right? And I, it's not to say that those aren't good investments in some cases. I mean, like, listen, I agree with Jordan. <laughs> if people are selling assignments, they're losing money and they're at you know four to five year you know, prices um, in the past, you know, they might be a good investment. But I just think that a lot of people have forgot about commercial property, which is effectively the backbone of the economy And they need to learn there is investment in Canada outside of a home, you know, where someone lives. That's my, and you uh, can
0: finance it now, right?
13: You can finance your investment. Oh,
0: you can finance industrial and commercial now, like way easier than land.
13: Right. right? But we're talking about someone investing 50 to hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. Look, Look for a good operator, invest as an LP and learn what they do. Right. And if people are looking like, well, I don't know where you find those people. Like if if you talk to enough people in the industry, you will be able to find those who invest money. But it's not, I would say it's not as common in Canada as it is in the U.S. And I hope that it does become common because I think there is a complete world outside of residential home investing that is really important.
1: Biggest contributor to that is greed people say, well, why would I want to only take us one point or two points or whatever? I can go and get the whole thing. And I heard my guy, he uh, he tripled his money. Hopefully the greed disappears and people go into more responsible investing. Um, yeah. Nolan, what do you think? Uh,
12: uh, I think the answer to that question depends largely on, is it your only $50,000 or do you got another million dollars kicking around in, uh, in assets that can protect you if, uh, if something goes wrong, you know, if it's, it's, if it's your only fifty thousand dollars and you don't own a single family home, it's probably a good time to buy a single family home. Um, it might not be the bottom, but it's definitely not the top. If uh, you know, if you got a couple hundred grand kicking around and you want to buy a, a residential rental property, it might be a good idea. Um, you know, I, I think it largely comes down to your risk profile and and I think that's gonna be. The uh, the word of the day in in 2023 is is risk profile and and you know everyone's going to have to make their decisions based on that.
10: And just a quick note on condos. So uh, in 2021, I bought one where it was in the high teens in terms of IRR, and I made all my money on the purchase. It was a botched listing, COVID lockdown, all that stuff. So I tied it up at, beautiful. Now, with the current prices of condos where they're at right now, to get that same IRR, you need prices in resale to be 20% roughly lower than where they are today based on rates. So, I just want to leave that with people because if you because people are still going to try to buy condos because they want to use leverage, they want to use they want to buy something local that they're familiar with. So, from where today prices are, you still need another 20%. So, if you can, I don't know, if you buy something tenanted or whatever where you can squeeze out a massive discount. You have to be twenty percent below current market to hit decent IRR. That's like worth your while.
7: You can squeeze out a massive dis- discount on the assignment side. You just have to be uh, cognizant that there's going to be closing costs and factor that into the price you're paying.
10: Yeah. And what would you estimate those closing costs are? Like six to eight percent.
7: Yeah, like closer to eight. With Mark okay. Levies and stuff. Um, but like yeah, you want to have it obviously reviewed by a lawyer and make sure those caps survive uh simon assignment stuff. The assignments are really nasty right now. You you have to protect yourself as a buyer, but man, some of the discounts I'm seeing are pretty, pretty wild.
0: Well, folks, you heard it all here. We've had a wonderful day. Happy New Year, everybody.
10: Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys.
0: I can't think of something I'd rather do on any day than to talk to all the people that we talk to. What a, what a no, but I mean, honestly, what total? like, oh, do like I don't know. Uh, we were supposed to. One person did not end up showing up, but that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Although it was a female. So, I mean, we look very masculine heavy on this show regularly. But, uh, hey, listen, we tried. We had a couple of women on. That was nice. But what a bunch of brains and what a bunch of experience. And who knows what the hell's going to happen, TK. Not I feel us. a little bit smarter now, though. I'll tell you that much. I feel a little bit better. I feel, about I feel
1: educated. I got educated by everyone today. I, I feel education. worse about things.
7: I was really bullish. <laughs> you're yesterday. supposed things to, going you're well supposed future, to, bro. But yeah, I'm more yeah, educated. Yeah. You yeah. guys keep bringing me down to earth. I hate, I hate coming on here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen,
1: so we appreciate you guys. Happy new year. Uh, you and all your families. Uh, we look forward to 2023. We want to get you all back on the show and, uh, please, you know, share yeah. about where things are at. So.
0: Because sorry the about work. the long wait times, and sorry we didn't get to talk to everybody as long as we normally would and like to. So uh, we'll have to definitely get everybody that was on here back on again for a full episode. Um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you to everybody that actually watches and listens to this Two show. Two hours. If I don't you're still so listening, wrong with wow. you? Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, you get a job. Everybody have a great. 2023, or at the very least, better than 2022.